And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are having a wonderful evening on this Sunday, February the 8th. We are three weeks, ladies and gentlemen, three weeks away from the end of the regular season. In three weeks' time, here on Hoopsville, we'll be talking about who may be in or out of the NCAA tournament in our guesstimation ahead of the following day's bracket announcements. It is that time of year. I am Dave McHugh, your host of Hoopsville. Hope you are enjoying the season, as it were, here in 2014-15. More carnage, of course, on the men's side. We'll get to that. And, of course, the women's side. Don't forget, you can interact with us via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, via Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or on email, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Also, please don't forget our fundraising campaign via Indiegogo. We tweeted out something just earlier, about 20 minutes ago. Um, you can follow it on Twitter. We'll put it on Facebook. We're in the closing few weeks of that as well. Uh, we're only halfway to our, our very modest goal, to be honest with you. The goal is half of what the goal was last year, and we're only halfway there. We certainly hope you will consider helping us cover Division Three the way it's supposed to be covered. Uh, I actually talked with Rich Reed a week and a half ago on the Hoopsville Marathon and said if we raised 150% of our goal, meaning 50% past what our goal was, we would set aside money for a trip to the West Coast in namely Skyak country to see some games. Maybe the Skyak coaches will get uh, behind this then as a result. Um, but please consider that. Speaking of Skyak, we will talk about one of the headlines certainly stealing attention away from those who are having undefeated seasons, number one seasons, and making runs to the NCAA tournament. That is the Caltech Beavers men's basketball team. Remember, we on Thursday talked about them beating Redlands last Tuesday. Well, guess what? They have won two games in a row in the Skyak, beating Whittier on Saturday. That is the first time since 1971 that Caltech has won back-to-back -back games in conference. It's pretty significant, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk to their head coach, Dr. Oliver Esslinger, coming up here on the show. We'll also jump out to the East Coast, talk Nichols men's basketball coach with their head coach, Tom Glenn. Wheaton men's ba uh, women's basketball is certainly having a tremendous season. 20-2 and two so far, 10-1 and one in the CCIW. We'll talk to their head coach, Kent Madsen, about the Thunder. We'll jump down into Pennsylvania and talk to Misery Accordia men's basketball coach, Trevor Woodruff, about his squad, who is currently tied atop the MAC Freedom. They are 16-5, 8-2 in conference action. And then women's basketball in Georgia. We'll talk to Barry, women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunn. Team is also 16-5 overall, also 8-2 in the SAA. After a win today over Millsaps, big win for the Vikings. We'll talk to Stephanie Dunn about her team. Certainly uh, exciting times, to say the least, um, in Division Three basketball. And this year is none the exception. It may be the exception to the rule, though, and how much excitement we have guess what coming up on wednesday it is whitewater versus stevens point in men's basketball action last time those two teams faced off whitewater was clearly the better team but in the wyack it is hard to go undefeated and really the only two threats 
So far this season, a Whitewater and Stevens Point have been Whitewater and Stevens Point. Nothing against Platteville and the rest who have certainly played those two teams tough. But the road has certainly been uh, lined to go through Whitewater and or Stevens Point. We'll see how those two teams face off on Wednesday. Interestingly enough, this season, the two teams last faced each other also on a Wednesday. No weekend game for those road warriors or those men's teams, I should say, um, so far. I hope you uh, can uh, take in uh, as much Division Three basketball along the way this season. We certainly would hope you can. Um, it is an exciting time, to say the least, in Division Three basketball. Forgive the chirping as my uh, iPad, which allows me to keep track of things that I might miss on my computer monitors, is chirping. We'll quiet that down just a little bit. Again, if you have questions for us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, the other big headline happened yesterday. The Eastern women's basketball team brought to an end a 53-game winning streak by the number one FDU Florham Devils, using overtime to pull it off and catching maybe FDU sleeping a little bit. FDU scored with less than 10 seconds on the clock in overtime to take the one-point lead, and six-some-odd seconds later, they were losing by one as Eastern had run down the court in an unsettled situation and got the layup to take the lead and eventually the win. You remember we talked to their Eastern men, women's basketball coach a week and a half ago and talked about the fact that FDU is beatable. Now Eastern is a good basketball team that just isn't getting the headlines because FDU is the defending national champs and had won 53 straight games. The last time that, uh, that uh, FDU had lost a game was the first round of the NCAA tournament in 2013 against Wilkes. Now Eastern has a win. We'll see a new number one most likely in women's basketball. I say most likely because you never know what the voters may or may not do. I'll freely admit for the women, this is the first time they've had to make a major decision. Now, after you had lost a vote to George Fox last week, so conceivably Thomas Moore with two votes, an undefeated record, and George Fox with an undefeated record and one vote will gain votes. The question is, how many do St. Thomas take? And how many may stay with FDU Florham? I suspect maybe not that many. It's always a possibility. But with three teams directly behind the Devils, who are undefeated, plus Calvin sitting in sixth, who is undefeated, I suspect we're going to get a little bit of a split of the vote. I think Thomas Moore will get a lot of votes. St. Thomas may get some, and George Fox as well. If you go by the rankings, St. Tom or Thomas Moore will be your new number one team. But we'll see how the voters decide tomorrow. On the men's side of things, talk about crazy. The UAA continues to be crazy. That is almost a redundancy. Ta Wash U loses yet again, yet again in conference action, and then yet again <laughs> makes up for it. Um... Wash U on Friday lost on the road to Carnegie Mellon, 72-59. Wash U then responds by going to Case Western Reserve and beating the Spartans by 20, 95-75. In the meantime, Chicago beat Case Western Reserve by 6. And then Chicago loses a day to Carnegie Mellon, 73-48. Seriously. 
Emery, in the meantime, defeats Brandeis, 89-53. The game was over at halftime and loses for the second time in two weeks to NYU in close fashion, NYU winning 72-70. By the way, NYU lost to Rochester, 85-75 on Friday. And Rochester beat Brandeis in overtime, 66-64. Did you follow that along just quite yet? Let's go through that again. Chicago beats Case Western Reserve by six. Chicago then loses to Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon had beat Wash U on Friday. Wash U then beat Case Western Reserve. In the meantime, NYU loses to Rochester, who also beat Brandeis, but NYU comes back and beats Emory, who had beaten Brandeis. Have you followed along just yet? The standings as it were now. Every time you think the number one team in the UAA is going to walk, take a step further away from the rest of the conference, they are brought back to the nest. Chicago is in the lead by a scant game. They lost to Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon is second to last in the conference. Brandeis, who has a significant win this season over Amherst, is 2-7 in the conference and 7-13 and overall. I'm not saying Brandeis isn't good. They are good. But they're in the last place in the conference. Chicago 6-3, Wash U, Emory, Case Western Reserve, NYU, and Rochester are 5-4. <laughs> Seriously. It's a good thing this conference doesn't have a playoff. You'd be using every tiebreaker in the world to try and figure out who's in and who's out of the playoff or who's in what seating. Chicago has a one-game lead on Wash U, 6-3 to 5-4. Wash U is tied with Emory, Case Western Reserve, NYU, and Rochester. Carnegie Mellon is three games back of first place, sitting in seventh. Brandeis is technically four games back in last place. Nuts in the UAA. Speaking of nuts, I call it the Centennial Conference carnage yesterday. FNM goes to Wash U and loses. Wash, right, Washington College, I'm sorry. Washington College has now beaten FNM for the last six years. In the meantime, Johns Hopkins comes from 19 down to Swarthmore to actually escape with a victory. And Dickinson loses to Ursinus. All three ranked teams on the road, all three ranked teams nearly losing. Hopkins, the only team coming out of that with a victory. Nuts. Nuts this season in basketball. It is absolutely crazy. We haven't even touched on the, the uh, CCIW. Do you want to even get into that? The CCIW is just as crazy on the men's side this season. Illinois Wesleyan has a one-game lead on Augustana at 9-2 in conference. Augustana 8-3, Elmer 7-4, North Central 6-5, North Park 5-6, and, and then three teams, Wheaton, Milliken, and Carthage at 3-8, battling for four spots in the, in the conference tournament. On Wednesday, Illinois Wesleyan beat Will Milliken, Elmer's beat Carthage, North Park beat Wheaton, and North Central, North Central beat Augustana. We talked about that on Thursday in overtime. Yesterday, Wheaton beat Elmhurst. Illinois Wesleyan beat North Central. North Park beat Milliken. And Augustana beat Carthage. Carthage only put up 29 points. A little odd. 
little bit odd. Carthage had lost to Elmer 78-75 and couldn't put up 30 points against Augustana. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy this season. We haven't even touched on some of the other chaos. Have you seen the NESCAC this season? Remember, this is a NESCAC that doesn't have anybody in the NCAA tournament or in the uh, top 25 right now and could be playing themselves uh, into one just one bid. Again, men's side, because the women has been tame compared to the men this year. Trinity, Connecticut is 8-1 in conference in the NESCAC. Bates is behind them at 6-2 in conference. Amherst is 6-3. Then it's Bowden and Tufts. Williams has moved up to 4-4 four and four and sitting in 6th. Colby is 4-4. Four and four. Middlebury 3-5. Wesleyan 3-5. Hamilton 1-7. Connecticut College 0-8. There's a lot of basketball still we play before they start their tournament in a week and a half. It's just nuts. Trinity may be the silent surprise, along with Bates, I should point out. The tournament could go through Bates or Trinity. What? Yeah, the NESCAC men's basketball tournament could go through Bates or Trinity. When's the last time it didn't go through Amherst, Middlebury, or Williams? Think about that. Unbelievable season. Speaking of unbelievable season, Caltech winning their second straight in conference. We will talk to their head coach coming up here on the show. There is a ton to talk about. we got to keep it moving, but please send us questions for us or our guests. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com is your email address. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also e- uh, tweet us at d3hoopsville or use the hashtag hoopsville. There is a lot to talk about in Division Three basketball, and there's just three scant weeks left to the regular season. We hope you will join us. By the way, quickly before we go, I am going to try and wear uh, D3 shirts that have been sent to me over the years throughout the rest of the season. This is our Lady Reds Carthage Women's Basketball shirt. want to thank them for sending this this last year. It's a very comfortable shirt. If you're interested in sending us a shirt, tweet us or email us. We'll let you know how you can do that. Like Wheaton did, sending us a cool little basketball hoop. They also sent us a T-shirt. We will either display them. Wash Hughes is sitting there along with a famous T-shirt from years gone by. Of course, our Lauren Hill jersey behind us. And, again, wearing the Lady Reds Carthage shirt here. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Caltech men's basketball with their Head coach, Dr. Oliver Esslinger. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. 
Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Sunday evening. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. One tweet question that we did just get uh, from our good friend uh, Phil Nagley asking me about Stevenson men's and women's basketball performance over uh, uh Messiah yesterday, both teams coming from behind to some extent, uh, both teams winning, Stevenson that is, uh, women uh, in seemingly easier fashion, um, and then the men winning in overtime. Uh, good good wins for both. Uh, for the women, they pretty much lock up number one, and so the, the tournament for the MAC Commonwealth will eventually have to go through Stevenson to pull that off. For the men, uh, keeping pace with Lycoming, I think the men may be the surprise after a stumbles early in the season, didn't look good, or in the middle of the season. Maybe the, the tournament may have to go through them. Honestly, I think uh, the men are a little more of a tightrope than the women. Women are playing really good basketball, and uh, it's fun to see that. Um, they've got a few more road games. They aren't home until next Saturday. They've got another road game before that. So we'll see how they can keep it up. The pressure is certainly on both Mustang squads. I'm going to go back uh, and talk Caltech basketball. This is one I've been looking forward to. Uh, saw them win earlier in the week against Redlands, much to my brother's chagrin. And then, of course, I texted him and said, you might want to feel better about that loss because Caltech just beat Whittier. He certainly felt a little bit better. I don't know how great he felt, but if you're a Caltech fan, you've got to be thrilled. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Dr. Oliver Esslinger from, uh, from Caltech, better known as Doc. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Well, man, thanks for thanks for reaching out to us and, and having us here. Absolutely, you're part of our NABC Coaches Corner segment for tonight, uh, Coach. Gotta say, we had you guys on a couple years ago, or a few years ago, when you ended that much longer streak, to be sure. And you said at the time, "Listen, I think there are good times ahead for Caltech." You guys have certainly had good times in the sense that you you haven't had that repeat of a, of the struggles necessarily overall. Certainly, the conference is the conference, but is this maybe the sign that things are finally turning just a little bit for Caltech? Well, I think it's certainly a tipping point and one that we've been waiting for. Yes, we waited, we had to wait a little longer than I, I wanted. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I, sure. I mean, I was looking forward to, to talking with you uh, much earlier. Much I earlier. Think. Yes, but um, but as I said, no, we're 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 very happy with our progress and all the all the work that we're putting in from a team standpoint and also a program standpoint and a department standpoint here. So 
certainly headed in a in a in a, a good direction and and one that we've been envisioning. Tell me a little bit about the game against Redlands. This was a game I was watching online, and, and it came down to the end. They got a very nice look at the top of the key to tie it. You guys call timeout, come down, and have a running layup. Seems a little redundant, but it wasn't the it wasn't a traditional layup. It was a little off balance, and it fell through. Point seven on the clock, and I'll admit they got a heck of a look um, at it at the end of the game to force to almost force the win for themselves. But but I could tell there were, the the excitement was building from your team. Yeah, that was a. I mean, that was a, a nail biter. Very intense. Intense game. It was a great game. It was a defensive game, and um, somehow we ended up being able to execute and make some plays on the stretch. And Casey Amizia, I mean, he's, he's a heck of a player and uh, just a terrific finisher. And he was able to he, he, he was, he was uh, able to maneuver himself in there and flip that thing up off the ground. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. to see some of the highlights of it, watching it. Uh, he's certainly a, a good talent, and that's, I think, the thing that's changed a little bit for you guys. You've added a lot of talent for this team. Uh, I don't know if I was talking to you or some others who, who compared to the MIT model, where obviously you're familiar, um, and how MIT is succeeding, WPI is succeeding. Certainly other schools are having some success uh, when it comes to, to, to being an engineering high academic school. Uh, and then succeeding at athletics as well. Um, is, is this kind of a sign of what we're seeing here? You're starting to get some talent who is really smart and just wants to play uh, and compete as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, teams have to have talent and personnel to, to compete and, and win. Uh, I think, I mean, it's always going to be a challenge at Caltech, always going to be a challenge uh, recruiting-wise because of the size of our school and just how rigorous it is here once you're here and, and how hard it is to, to get in initially. So, I mean, we spend so much time trying to make those contacts and connections and, and figure out who, who has a good shot of being admitted. And then, uh, and then of course, getting them here sure. and matriculating. How much do you guys do look to MIT or WPI or, or any of the other tech schools who have some of the same rigorous academic standards that you guys have? Don't know about the sizes off the top of my head. I don't want to try and compare in that department, certainly. Obviously, you guys are under 1,000 uh, right. full-time. Um, how much do you do look at their examples, though, is say, okay, we can take a page out of that book, or we want to try and do that? Or, um, well, yeah, I think I... When I first arrived here in 2008, um, obviously I know those schools well because I came from the yeah. Northeast and New England. And uh, at the beginning, I said, "Yeah, we, we can we can do this here too." But now I think it's turned into our own thing. Uh, just the last few years, uh, Caltech is 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 very different than those schools, even though they're even though they have to do with STEM and. The tech fields and engineering and, and math and science, of course, but it's it's a very different place than those. Um, very different sort of community and culture. Uh, I mean, WPI and MIT are very different too. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. 
Um, talk about the, the Whittier game. You guys kind of blew the socks off that one. I mean, you only put up 49 points against Redlands. You put up 92 yeah, against how about that? Whittier. I mean, I mean absolutely. Um, I think you're not your uh, – I think it might be your highest output of the of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. I correct yeah. me. I'm sorry. You put up 96 against George Fox in a scant – Ninety nine, ninety six loss there. Oh yeah, that man, that was so that that game was so long ago. I forgot. <laughs> I know it does feel how many like a points long. we scored there. Lawrence <laughs> Lee had thirty eight. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but you, you know, that's that's another big win. You get your first back to back wins in the Sky X since nineteen seventy one, and you do them both at home. Uh, it's got to be creating a little bit of buzz, especially as I said, you put up ninety two points on Whittier. Yeah, and oh by the way, clarifying point: the seventy seventy one season. There was a non-conference game in between those two. <laughs> so this is actually the first time, like, legitimate back-to-back back to since 1953-54 when, when Caltech won the Skyac. Yeah, that's, so, we're going back a ways. A, a bit of history there. The, uh, the game last night, I mean, we knew it was going to be a high-paced game because that's how Whittier plays. Yeah. We knew there was going to be there – there were going to be um, – you know, eighty something possessions, probably at least. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we just tried to stick to our game plan, and and we did. I mean, that's probably the best. The first half might be the best half of basketball that we've played. Um, of course, the second half was pretty darn good too. So, um, but that some of the fans and supporters' reactions afterwards were were very. I mean, they were very proud of us and praising just how we executed the whole game. Tell me a little bit about this team before we let you go. And obviously stats say one thing, and, and that certainly captures the attention of of many. And we talk about Casey, uh, is it Amizia? Yeah, how did you? Yeah, it's actually pronounced Amizia. Amizia, oh, okay. Yeah, Amizia, yep. Uh, 13.1 points a game. Andrew, uh, is it Hogue? Andrew Hogue, yep. Uh, nine, or nearly 10 points a game. Um, and you certainly have other guys, but you know—I I mean, listen—we all knew you were going to get guys from a lot of different places. You got them from California, North Carolina, Maryland, Minnesota, Arizona, even Hong Kong, um, and even Qatar. Fascinating right. enough. Uh, Nasir there. Al—is it Al Reyes? Nasir Al Reyes. Yep. Uh, he's your third leading scorer on the team. Um, tell us a little bit more about them academically, though, because what fascinates me when I talk to those at MIT and WPI and yourselves and other places and even other schools, but certainly those, is the fields that they eventually will be getting into. Um, and you don't have to go through every single guy, but so, what are right. some of the majors or what are their academic you know, uh, disciplines that well, are certainly more yeah. important than a basketball game? A couple of our guys might beg to differ with you on that and say probably that they came point. here for basketball. <laughs> That's probably a fair point. <laughs> but uh, no, um, mechanical engineering and computer science mm-hmm. and business economics, management and and math are really, I think, the more popular ones right now for our team. Huh. And I mean, these guys, they, even the summer jobs they get are just unreal, making twenty grand during the summer. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad summer job. No. Um, and. Um, they're all over the place. They come from all over the place, and they they go all over the world for the internships and jobs. And once they graduate, they they do amazing things. Of course, um, I think uh, it's just a, a highly motivated group of group of student athletes here and students in general. And when you can say that we've got a guy working at Google or Facebook or or, or Microsoft or 
Bank of America or going into a startup, but you can also say he's leading the sky can block shots or leading the sky can rebounding or uh, which we can say that right now, which I'm I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, amazing group to coach. And one of the questions I got before the show started, which was certainly makes you think. I'd love to get your opinion on it. The person said, and maybe it's rhetorical, uh, the starting five for Kentucky versus the starting five for Caltech, who will make more in their careers? <laughs> I, it's, it's I'd, a I'd have to get my guys together to ask them that. Figure <laughs> out the math behind that. Yeah, I think it's a thinker, to be sure. We'll have we'll, we'll probably have a, a couple millionaires in this group somehow. Yeah, I, I suspect. Even if you don't have millionaires, they're going to have their careers go longer. I think right. that's what makes it interesting. Their careers will go longer, so their money might go further. Versus right. an NBA guy who might play five years, get a lot of money, but it might not go very far in the long right, run. Right, right. Hey, well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, 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 I'll freely admit I had a little smirk on my face when I texted my brother last week about the Redlands game. He's an, That's his alma mater. But at right. the same time, I think he had a little, you know, a little grin to his face too, because I think everybody likes to see teams succeed, and there's nothing better than watching the Beavers uh, start to succeed a little bit on the basketball court, because we know they're succeeding in the classroom. Oh yeah, no, we're 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 very proud to to be a part of Hoopsville, and and uh, just thankful that you continue to promote D3 hoops the way you do, and D3 sports in general. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. I always give you the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, just just keep rooting for keep rooting for those smart kids, and when you find some more, send them our way to Pasadena. <laughs> yeah, by the way, what, it's eighty degrees today. I think. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it doesn't hurt that you're located in Pasadena. Just for the record, you you <laughs> must right. be loving the fact you're in Pasadena this winter versus being up in New England. I think that every winter, every <laughs> every winter now. Well, Doc, Getting used to it here. Yeah, I'm sure you have. You have, we got a great headshot of you out in the sun. It looks great. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. We certainly are going to enjoy watching you guys the rest of the way. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. All right, you too. Dr. Oliver Esslinger, better known as Doc, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Um, oh, should point out uh, that Caltech will probably get a plug, if Coach can still hear us, uh, on ESPN Stats coming up here soon. Um, and uh, should look out. Apparently we've got another little tidbit that we should check out in the meantime, and we will. We're going to take a quick break, though. When we come back, talk Northeast basketball, and part of that tidbit that I just got will we'll fit in there perfectly. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. When we come back, we'll jump up to the Northeast, talk to a team who's 17-4 and overall, 14-0 and in the Triple C Commonwealth Coast Conference. Uh, coming up here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. 
there's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're having a good Sunday evening here on February the 8th. Uh, we're jumping from Caltech and Pasadena basketball all the way up to the northeast where they're still digging out of snow and more snow and more snow. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. By the way, a little note that we got regarding the northeast um, Coast Guard women, fourth place in the new Mac, but hottest team in the league. Six straight wins, including road wins against two of the three teams. They are in a three-way tie for, uh, who are in a three-way tie for first just a week ago. They beat Babson on the road yesterday, second straight season. They have won there, thanks to our friend Mark Simon for that note about the Coast Guard women. Certainly one to keep an eye on. Sometimes those teams come fast and furious at you, and you just don't see them coming. Um, but we certainly, uh, uh, enjoy watching them play and uh, hope that the uh, um, the new Mac stays as heated as it has. Just notice I tweeted off on the wrong right tweet or wrong spot. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, uh, we do have uh, more to talk about in the Northeast. And that includes one team in the in the uh, in the Great Lakes region that is certainly garner not Great Lakes region. I'm sorry, in the Northeast, in the tri in the Triple C Common Co Commonwealth Coast Conference. It's easy for me to say. Uh, that has garnered plenty of attention. I uh, haven't talked about the Triple C that often this year, but maybe we should have been because uh, it's a it's a hot and furious race, as it were, um, with one team standing head and shoulders above the rest. And right now, that is Nichols Men's Basketball. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Tom Glenn. Coach, uh, first-year head coach, you should point out as well. Welcome to the show, sir. Dave, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be in the program. I've been a big fan of, the, of your show for a long time. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. That certainly makes the show a lot easier when coaches are able to join us. And let's talk about your squad. I mean, 17-0 and all overall, 14-0 and in the conference. Probably not that surprising considering how good last year's team was at 23-7. and um, But maybe the fact that you have a two-game lead over a very good Endicott squad uh, and a three-game lead over a surprisingly good Eastern Nazarene. I say that because Ryan Scott, our friend who's an Eastern Nazarene graduate, thinks their team's going to be good next year. Um, it's an interesting race at top. Are you surprised you're 14-0 in the conference? 
um, playing a very competitive league. Um, I'm very lucky to inherit this group of guys that I inherited this year. We actually um, graduated 2,000-point scorer in Ryan Sheehan and Sam Horning, who's on the senior captain, and our, our top returning score average just under eight points a game. And um, I inherited a group of guys that really wanted to work hard and be pushed and, were, and want to be challenged. We're picked fifth in our conference preseason poll. So the expectations outside of our program weren't quite as high as our expectations, but um, our group of kids believed in themselves, and um, no, we are not surprised where we are right now. We have some very talented roster, our guards. We have four guards averaging double digits and who are you know, can play with just about any backcourt in the country. Uh, what's interesting is you just have three seniors, and I say just have because you know, for a lot of, for, for the general speak, uh, that's uh, not a lot. Sometimes teams are successful when they got five or six guys. But you talk about this roster um, and the guard play. Irving uh, Eggleston is leading the way, 18.5 points a game, hauling in five rebounds a game, also handing out more than two assists, stealed more than 50 balls so far this year. Uh, Matt Langadas, I hope I said his last name correctly. Right, uh, Matt Langadas. Langadas, thank you. 16.5 points a game. Uh, both guys shooting. By the way, Agelstad shooting 49 percent. Uh, Matt shooting 43 percent. Uh, you got three more guys, as you point out, in double figures, um, and and a lot of this is coming from guys who aren't necessarily your senior squad. I mean, Engelstad is your guard, who's a junior. Uh, Langadas is he's the awesome. senior. He's the senior. Thank you. I knew there was one in there. Um, this is this is impressive, not only because you guys are having such a great year, but you're 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 able to maybe continue this for a little while. Right, exactly. I think we're going to keep it going for a while here. Um, we have a group of kids that work incredibly hard. I mean, every time they step on the court, it, they work so hard. It's the most unselfish group I've ever been around. I've been as an assistant or an associate head coach the last four years in the NCAA tournament, but our guys have just worked incredibly hard. And, you know, we started off two and three this season. We played a very, very tough schedule with um, – played Eastern Connecticut and, you know, in Bates, two teams that sit at the top of the early league and, and Springfield College. Um, in, in those games, we lost close. And you know, uh, we learned from all of those nights and, and those tough losses. And, you know, we lost to Springfield um, by six back on December 12th. And we really kind of figured things out and figured out how to close out games. So we, we haven't lost a game since December 12th, going yeah. on almost two, almost two months now. And, you know, tribute to the kids, they work incredibly hard and they play together and make the extra pass. And we're shooting the ball really well from three, especially the last few weeks. And um, a key to our season has been our pressure defense. You know, we, we press the entire game. Um, I, you know, in the Bates game, the Open, we lost 81-78, and you know we came out of our press that night for about 10 uh -huh. minutes. And I, you know, I told my staff, if, you know, if we do that again, if I do that again, remind me when you know the rest of the season we're pressing for <laughs> we're pressing for 40 minutes, and the, so the season opened. That, that was on me. And we played a great Bates team that night, and um, you know we led most of the night, and they came back in the game when I pulled the press off. Um, but we haven't stopped pressing since, and um, the kids that work, like I said, the kids work so hard, and I'm really happy for you know our, our upperclassmen and all these kids that work so hard because you know they very much role players on the teams the last couple of years, and um, you know to be to be 14 and 0, and you know winning 12 straight, absolute tribute to the kids because like I said, the top returning scorer, you know, averaged less than eight points a game a year ago. Um, well, thank you for the transition on the uh, 12 game win streak. It's certainly. Um, looking at the ski, you know, back to then it was the loss to Springfield. You guys had a bit of a rough start to the season. You lost to Bates, uh, came back to beat Salve Regina, uh, those games at the Babson Invitational and Wellesley. 
Um, you then lost to Eastern Connecticut, and it wasn't close. Then beat LaSalle, then lost to Husson, um, then won a couple in a row, and then mm -hmm. lost to Springfield. Since then, you've been rolling right along. How hard was it to get over that rough stretch where you lost three of your first five? Uh, you know what? It was you know it, it was a tough start to the season, and it was a group of kids and a new coaching staff and a yeah. you know a new system with um, you know a heavy emphasis on you know our full court defense and but the buy-in was there and we started seeing results. We, we lost to Bates, we lost big down in Eastern Connecticut, and then you know the play an exhibition game with Holy Cross and uh, we were down 32-29 with a couple minutes to go in the first half and that was kind of the turning point and we then we came back played a tough Springfield team that just, you know, had two great wins last week beating, you know, WPI top ten WPI and beating a very good MIT team. And um but since then it's been the buy in has been there and um like I said, just an unselfish group of kids who work who work so hard and put in so much time and from our first practice on October fifteenth, the quote on the practice plan was you work hard, you get what you deserve and these kids are really getting all the time they put in, all the double sessions, all the shots they've gotten up, and the hard work over the summer there now getting what they deserve. And you certainly like to take advantage of the opportunities you've had. You've put up over 100 points a couple times this year, including against uh, University of New England, 146, and against Curry, 124 to 57. I'm guessing, and I'm, I'm looking at other games, that certainly you've put up 90-plus points as well and 80-plus points. I'm guessing you take advantage of this pressure defense and pressure uptake pace tempo that kind of leads yourself into those scores absolutely that and we're trying to make the, the opponent as uncomfortable as possible and we are pressing you know the you know 94 feet and offensively we're trying to keep as much pressure in them as possible some of the rules we have in is on a, on a long offensive rebound kick it out to the three-point line and that player will shoot it but maybe make the extra pass and take, take another quick three we have a lot of we have four really good shooters, four or five really good shooters, and um, we've taken advantage of our pressure and to turn opponents over, and we have two of our guards who are sitting one and two, I believe, still in the conference in steals per game. Um, I find it interesting that you've got this up-tempo style, considering you're the associate head coach at MIT, and nothing against MIT, it's not like you guys did that much up-tempo style. Uh, it was more of a, a half-court set, run it through the middle. What uh, Were you itching to... to to break this out, as it were, was there any yeah. emphasis to try and get that running at the engineers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I've had. Uh, I was. I'm very fortunate. I've um, worked for Larry Anderson, like you mentioned, at M MIT as the associate head coach. And prior to that, I was an assistant at UMass Lowell under Greg Herenda. Yeah. And we actually run Greg Greg's system. It's um, the terminology is the exact same. Um, you know, a, a, a couple wrinkles, but very much so. Where Greg's now the head coach of Division One, Fairly Dickinson. So on the court, the system is FDU, and off the court, I am trying to build a program that Larry has at MIT. Um, everything we do off the court resembles MIT, from the community building, um, you know, in, in on the court player development. Um, but we really are trying to build a program that Larry has at MIT, where every year the ex expectation is, you know, to win and be in the NCAA tournament every year so that's what we're trying to do is just sustainability and really try to be there every year like mit on, on our own campus our men's tennis program has been to three straight nta tournaments so on our, on our own campus we're trying to keep up with the men's tennis program and and really just trying to build what larry has done at mit um i assume larry was thrilled that you got the job or probably frustrated he lost you in some capacity when how soon do we see mit on your schedule 
Jeez, I, I, you know what? I am I, I'm very scared to play those guys. They are <laughs> they are talented. They are they are long. They can shoot it. Um, man, they those kids take the court every night and they expect to win. That's what we're that's really what we're trying to do here. Is our our kids are now every time they step on the court, we do expect to win. And really, that's you know carry over from you know everything Larry taught me at MIT. He's a true you know mentor and you know guardian the game. I believe other than Rick Pitino, I think Larry's put out more. You know your first guest tonight, and I think Larry's put out more. Um, you know has turned more assistant coaches into head coaches than maybe Rick Pitino hasn't beat, but Larry's got to be up there. Uh, he probably is. You're right. It's an it's an interesting coaching tree to say the least, uh, with what Larry's got going on. Let's talk about the rest of your season, if you don't mind. Four games sure. left in the regular season. Uh, you've got Endicott uh, on the road on Wednesday, then on the road at University of New England. Saturday, then at home against Eastern Nazarene that's a week from Wednesday, and then wrap it up on the 21st against Wentworth, also at home. Obviously, the game against Endicott and obviously the game against Eastern Nazarene have a lot on them. Not that all four don't matter. You got you have a two-game lead, but with four to play, anything is possible. How important is it to get the games to come through Nichols Athletic Center, and how much are you trying to emphasize that to the team? It's something that, that from our first meeting back on August 28th that um, we, we talked about February 28th, which is the date of the CCC championship game, and it's very important to our players. And, you know, we talk about it almost daily about hosting the conference tournament, but, you know, sticking to the process one game at a time, one practice at a time. And, you know, down the stretch here, we, you know, preparation, focus, sticking to the process has been our goal. And it's a, it, it is a very tough four-game finish to the season. Indicott sits, like you said, right behind us. Eastern Nazarene in third place and a very good team. We're very fortunate to beat them. We beat them by one at um, in their gym, and it was a very tough environment. And UNE is, even today, they'd be in the conference tournament, and they're playing very well. And Wentworth sits in fourth right now, and um, we, we were fortunate enough to beat them as well in their place. So it's a very tough um, finish to the season here, and our players are up for the challenge and you know, very much looking forward to both Wednesday night and, and for the rest of, this, um, rest of the season. Yeah, I should point out UNE is the only team not in the top four that you'll be playing exactly. uh, in the in the wrap-up this season. So certainly the toughest test is ahead, and the target is certainly large as well. Uh, both Endicott and Eastern Nazarene would love to make up for uh, losses earlier in the season amongst the others as well. Um, it, I know you're a first-year head coach. You know the Northeast pretty darn well. We'll obviously see regional rankings coming out on Wednesday for the first time. But my question to you is, do you think you guys are at least in a position where you are in play for an at-large? Or is this one of those deals that you've been telling the team, and I suspect you have, we got to go win this conference or forget about plans for March? Right, absolutely. We, um, you know, we went out and um, played a very tough non-conference schedule. Eastern Connecticut, who sits atop a little east, and Bates, who's right, I believe, in second now, and in, in, yep. in the NESCAC, and Hudson is right on top of their league, and you know, Springfield's making their run here in the new Mac. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're trying to put ourselves in position for an at-large, but at, at the end of the day, we are working very hard to host this conference tournament. And our, our number one goal this year, we set out with, you know, we made as we made a team meeting, we set out with 19 goals, and the players made the goals. And number one is to win the conference tournament. So, our that is our number one goal this year is to win the conference tournament on February 28th. And and at the end of the day, we hopefully we put ourselves in the right position to put ourselves in here for an at-large bid as well. And hopefully when the rankings come out on Wednesday, we, we see our name up there. 
Um, certainly it will be interesting to see where you fit in because it's a, it's a large group of teams and there's plenty of, plenty of questions. Uh, our expert has got you with an SOS of a 487, so a little bit below average, but maybe not that surprising considering the conference. Uh, but obviously work to be had ahead. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show um, and taking the time to join us to talk about not only you guys, but, of course, the Triple C, and congratulations on a, a very successful first year. I hate to tell you that you've set a pretty high bar for your for your coaching career. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. It's, uh, no, it's been a lot of fun first year, and it's uh, we have some very good or great players, and it's made, um, yes, they've helped me out a lot here in year one, which has been nice. Very good. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on, as I said. As always, we give the coach – the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who, who may be watching here tonight? Uh, no, um, you know, once again, thank you for having me on. And like I said, I'm a big fan of your program and your work, and uh, keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and at least safe travels in the bad weather. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Tom Glenn joining us here on Hoopsville, former associate head coach at MIT, first-year head coach at Nichols. Team, as we mentioned, 17-4 and overall, 14-0 and in conference action, uh, uh, the 14 and 0, a record for conference start by them, um, and certainly off to a terrific season. Remember, they were 23 and 7 last year. Uh, that team, um, who was 23 and 7 last year, um, certainly garnered some headlines, losing, uh, unfortunately, um, and not making the NCAA. I should say, yeah, losing uh, and not making the NCAA tournament, unfortunately, to Gordon in conference action. They played some ECAC basketball but didn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, we'll see if maybe they can make the ES, the uh, NCAA tournament this time around. And, uh, again, I mean, hey, a loss to Bates by just a scant few points. Uh, lost Eastern Connecticut. Wasn't that close. Husson got them by about eight. Springfield got them by about six. And uh, they've gone on the way since then. December 12th was the last loss, and they've won 12 straight. Four more to go. Big run ahead. Uh, Endicott, who's in second, uh, or University of New England, who's four and ten, Eastern Nazarene in third, and Wentworth in fourth in the conference. Nichols has got their work cut out for them. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump out to the Midwest Central Region, and we'll talk women's basketball action there as well. Um, and certainly, there's plenty to talk about there. Wheaton women's basketball playing very good basketball in the CCIW. We'll talk to them. Coming up, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Don't forget, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook us, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have plenty more and still <laughs> got a jam-packed show, everybody, including we'll uh, open it up to you guys to ask questions at the end. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, and if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. And join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, plenty to talk about. Uh, some people have asked why we haven't talked about Marietta um, and their undefeated season. We have talked about Marietta and their undefeated season quite often, in fact. Um, in, in reminder, we talked about him last week. We had Coach Vanderwall on the show not that long ago. Marietta undefeated, sitting in what third or fourth, third in the national rankings in the top 25 in men's basketball. But we don't talk about Marietta every show, and we don't talk about FDU Florham and the rest every show. We try and spread the wealth, as it were, but we certainly have our eyes on Marietta. We, of course, talked about him last week with Lenny Reich in our regional report. Don't have a regional report this week. Uh, just didn't fall into place. Uh, we will work on that for a future show as we try and get a little bit more of an, a different take on each region from those who certainly know it uh, as well as, as, we, as we do or they do from that area. Going to go right back to the Hoopsville hotline. Going to switch gears, go into women's basketball, talk to the only team who's in the top 25 on this week's show, and that is, uh, of course, the, uh, the Thunder of Wheaton, uh, the women's basketball team having, I think, a pretty darn good season at 20-2 and two on the year, 10-1 and one in conference action. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach. Um, coach, uh, so glad you could join us on the show. Kent Madsen, we should point out. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, glad to be on the show. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to have us on. Absolutely. Uh, you guys are having a terrific season uh, so far in this one. Um, your only uh, two losses, one coming to Wisconsin-Whitewater by three points back in early December, then uh, an interesting head-scratcher of one, if, if it's fair to say, uh, to North Park, who's certainly a good team. They're 13-9. We don't want to take it away from them, but 62-48. They had a trouble putting points on the board after putting 100 up on North Central just a few nights before. Uh, but you've been rolling ever since then. Seven straight victories. I'm sorry, eight, uh, maybe that's eight. No, nope, seven straight victories. Uh, with the win over Elmhurst just coming uh, yesterday. But from your point of view, how's the season going? Well, I'm, I'm extremely pleased with how the season's going so far. Um, you know, I think uh, we definitely have been progressing as the year has gone, has gone on. Um, you know, I'm really pleased with the balance, really, between our offense and defense. I think that's been a, a big key for us. 
Yeah, it, certainly your team is 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 uh, balanced. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to find another way of saying it. I don't think there was a better way of saying it than how you did that. Uh, you've got three players in double figures, really a fourth who's nearly there. Um, you're getting rebounds from those top three as well. Um, certainly willing to pass the ball as there's three players who've averaged more than two and a half assists a game. Um, you've got three player, four players with significant amounts of steals. Um, and everybody's shooting the ball pretty darn well as well. Um, Ellie Zeller is leading the way, 12.5 points a game and six rebounds, shooting 50, or I'm sorry, 46%. She's got 33 steals on top of that and 2.7 assists a game. Uh, Hannah uh, Consignan? I, I don't. Considine. Considine, thank you. I should have probably known that. 12 points a game, 7.5 rebounds a game, shooting 54% from the floor. Um, 12 points from Katie McDaniels. Chantel uh, Meacham's got nine points a game, both of them hauling in uh, a ton of rebounds, but also handing out combined seven assists a game. Yeah, I think you're balanced. Um, are we missing anybody? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with a lot of the players. I mean, uh, Mariah Reeves has played well. We've, we've had probably a little bit more depth this year than in past years, and that's uh, definitely helped us a great deal just between uh, Lauren Graham, Sarah Drury, Jennifer Berg, um, Kelly Lawson. I mean, the list goes on. Just the players that Mel Bremhorst that have helped us out and uh, played, you know, solid minutes for us all year. And Natalie Rose Brogren as well. I mean, all these players have just added and made us a stronger team. You've been around Wheaton for a long time. You've been there 14 seasons overall. This is your fifth as a head coach. Two years ago, you guys sent them or got to the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. Uh, it was also the first 21 seasons since 2007. Well, we're already at 20 wins again. <laughs> um, certainly uh, doing well. Just missed out on a 21 season last year. What's been the key? It's not like you guys haven't been good over the years, but what's been the key the last few years? Uh, you know, I think it's it's basically you feel really blessed when you when you uh, attract a high quality student athlete like you do at Wheaton College, and you know we've been very fortunate to just bring in some very solid players from you know not only our state but just from around the country as our uh, roster is littered with people from East Coast to West Coast. Yeah, you certainly attract them from afar, um, even Montana, Colorado, as you point out, across the, the country, in the New York, Michigan, Illinois. Uh, of course, you get the close ones in, 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 uh, um, in Illinois, of course, but California yeah. on top of that. What's the attraction? Is it, is it the, the, the education of Wheaton in the sense of being a, a faith-based school like the Messiahs and Hopes and Calvins? Uh, or even the Wheaton of, of Massachusetts, or is it is it other things? Well, I think that that's a big part of it. It's the the Christian component as well as the high academics. Um, you know that that plays a significant role in, in attracting students from across the nation. Um, it certainly is helpful to to have an edge like that, but that can also be a little bit of a challenge, I assume. Um, but when you get these players in, what's the focus for them? Well, I mean, the focus for them is, you know, they know they're coming into a pretty, you know, a, a program that over the years has done quite well. Uh, Coach Baker, who uh, 
led the program for 25 years, established a great basketball tradition at Wheaton College. She was the winningest women's basketball coach and the women uh, and the winningest the basketball coach at Wheaton College all time. Right. So I was fortunate to just be mentored by her and take over such a quality program. And you know, we have players that that just really want to excel in the classroom and do a great job there, but they also want to um, excel on the court and do the best they possibly can on the court and, and just grow in their face. Um, when you look at this uh, conference this season, it's a little bit interesting to me because, you know, Illinois Wesleyan has certainly carried the mantle for a number of years. They're struggling at 8-13, and 3-8 and eight in conference action. Um, last year, obviously, you guys have been in the fray um sorry last year's standings aren't coming up as quickly as i'd hoped um but north central is now 20 and 2 this season as well of course they're playing that run and gun type system which got you guys to score 100 points in your victory over them earlier in the season carthage last year uh, was 26 and 4 13 and 1 they're struggling at 13 and 9 this season of course um i should point out you you put up 100 points plus on both times you played north central What's the make? And by the way, I just jumped out of me. One hundred nine to sixty, back on January thirty first. Um, what's what's been the the crazy? Is it been that crazy, or has it just been topsy turvy this year? No, it's it's been topsy turvy because uh, the beauty of the CCIW is every team just keeps getting better and better. So the the parity of play is just. I mean, it's. It's brutal every night that you get on the court. I mean, you know every night that uh, a team's going to come and, and give it their all, and so it's just made it so that the conference has had great parity, and, uh, you know, so it, it's exciting. It just is exciting every night. North Central's gotten top 25 attention this year, as you guys have, obviously, at number 16 now. You put up 100-plus points on them twice. How in the world did you hold them to 60 back on January 30th, 31st? Um, you know, I, it's hard to completely say. I think, you know, that our emphasis is always on the defensive end, and that's what we really try to stress. And, I, you know, I think it was. I think we played pretty good defense that night, and, you know, they might have struggled a little bit with their shooting that night. But they're, they're an extremely good team. They've uh, definitely uh, added to their depth this past year and, and brought in some really nice players. And uh, obviously that's played a, a role into their success on the court. Talking to Kent Madsen here, uh, head coach for the Wheaton Thunder team is 20 and two overall 10 and one in conference action. Coach, you got three games left before we get into conference tournament action, top four making the tournament. And you guys have clinched that already. Um, you've got Milliken on the road and Carthage on the road, then home against Augustana. Um, of course, these are all teams you've beaten, and you've beaten them soundly uh, earlier in the season. But I have a feeling that 62-48 to 48 loss to North Park earlier in the season is one you probably use often about complacency. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, every once in a while you have one of those nights where you just feel like you struggle on the court, you know. Uh, and that was one of those games where we, we seemed to just struggle, uh, just didn't shoot very well that game, and they definitely had some players in foul trouble and things like that. And, and those nights happen. And, you know, the other side of it is is North Park played extremely well that night. And, and really they've been uh, playing extremely well since that time. Since they beat us, they've, they've played really well in the conference. 
Uh, I should take back my soundly comment. Carthage and Augustana were close games. Uh, then I just kind of yep. sound soundly sounded so good. Um, <laughs> no other reason uh, than that. But um, so you guys obviously want to stay in first place in conference action. So everything has to come through you. Carthage is certainly sitting in fourth. North Park would love to get into that mix. Um, mm-hmm. I have a gut feeling it doesn't matter where you finish in conference the way you're talking about it. That that semifinal game is not anything you can really chalk up or, or pencil yourself into the next round with. Oh, oh, no, not at all. I mean, because when you look at the, the teams, you know, Carthage, they've won conference the last two two years. So, you know, they're a program that can at any time just have great games and, and do extremely well. You know, Elmhurst has been in the conference tournament recently. I mean, it again, it's just the parity of the the league that on any given night a team can win if they play well. What about this region? Um, there's nothing different about your region except for the AC. Actually, there's nothing different about your region and the women's no. side. The men, they basically made the men finally look like the women, which was yeah. nice, and adding the uh, YAC and taking away the HCAC. The CCIW, certainly you guys in North Central are in the conversation for the most part for regional rankings. The WIAC, it's it's superior and probably Oshkosh in the conversation. How do you see these regional rankings coming out on Wednesday if you were to put your uh, eye into a glass ball, in a sense, and, and kind of – do you think you're on top? Do you think you guys are going to be in a good spot? Uh, this Obviously, the first one doesn't mean that much except for trying to read the tea leaves. Yeah, I mean – you know, in our region, the great thing is there are a lot of extremely good programs. I mean, typically a team that makes it to the Final Four is one from the central region. So mm-hmm. we know how tough it is. And, you know, generally speaking, when you talk about the central region, you know a lot of times things are going to go through Wash U. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've traditionally been the powerhouse in our region, and, you know, I don't think things have really changed uh, this year, as far as that's concerned, because, you know, they've only lost, I believe, one game so far this year. Yeah, it's probably the case. Um, they have lost only one game. It was to NYU. Of course, Chicago is kind of come out of nowhere. They're 14-6 and six overall, 8-1 and one in the UAA as well. How much does that add a wrinkle that, granted, hasn't been there in a couple of years? They, they were good a few years back, but they haven't been in the equation the last couple of years. Yeah, but what people to sometimes take into consideration is just how tough of a schedule they have played. They, yeah. they have usually been one of the always in the top five of strength of schedule. So they're playing a schedule that's unparalleled by many. So they're a very strong team. They've played extremely well in conference play. And uh, I, I definitely think they will be in the mix as, as we move forward here these last couple weeks. Fascinating Central Region, fascinating CCIW race to be sure. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Obviously, you guys have three more games with a big one um, being at the final one at home, which is always important. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be watching? No, I just, you know, I appreciate the time that you're giving to uh, Wheaton College tonight and uh, just to the not only to our college, but our, our region. Uh, it's just great to talk about basketball, and we thank you for having us on. Well, thank you, Coach, for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. Look forward to watching the Thunder and seeing how you guys get positioned, not only in the CCIW, but maybe into postseason play in March as well. We hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Take care, Coach.
Thank you. Ken Madsen. Joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline again, 20-2 overall, 10-1 in conference action. We'll see how they originally ranked. I mean, Wash U sitting there with one loss as well. Uh, that loss coming on the road at NYU, something I witnessed in person. Um, Chicago's in play, granted at 14-6 and six overall. North Central's in play. You've got the Superiors and the Oshkoshes of Wisconsin. Regional rankings on the women's side, certainly fascinating. And, of course, important on the women's side this year because the women have priority that very first weekend. You want to start your tournament off to a good start. If you can be at home to do that and women get priority, let's just say the Wheaton men were having a good a season to be able to be in a ranked position to host. The men would go on the road and the women would be able to host at home. So that's important for Wheaton, and they'd love to take advantage of it uh, if they can. I'm going to take another break when we come back. Uh, we'll jump out to the Atlantic region, jump up into the uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre region of Pennsylvania to talk to the Misericordia Cougars, their men's basketball team having a pretty solid season under Coach Trevor Woodruff. We'll talk to him about not only the season, but being the freedom as well, but also being in the Atlantic region this season. How much does that maybe change things, and how much maybe does Misericordia get to stand out as, as a result? We'll talk to him about all of that. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, we'll jump into the Midwest or into the Atlantic, as we pointed out, and talk Misericordia basketball right after this we've got more schools than division one more fans than division two and more upsets than march madness there's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade from eastern to occidental from puget sound to piedmont from southwestern to the university of new england and from hope to calvin Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time. To really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We're on the air here on a Sunday evening. 
February 8th. We appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I want to correct myself earlier. I mentioned that FDU Florham women's basketball had lost to Eastern on Saturday. The last time they had lost had been back in 2013 in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I said they lost to Wilkes. When I said it, it didn't sound right in my head, but I went for it. It turns out it was Widener, that other W team in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a lot of W teams in Division Three, if nobody is, is aware. Uh, anyway, made that mistake. I was thinking about the Wilkes-Barre area, considering we had Misericordia on the show, and apparently it just bled into my head. Uh, the loss was for FDU Florham in 2013, first round of the NCAA tournament against Widener. They've now lost to Eastern uh, just yesterday, ending a 53-game winning streak. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Our comments about um, wearing shirts or hanging them up in our backdrop um, has certainly got some attention from some of you. We'll mention it again. Uh, we got a great little Wheaton basketball, Wheaton, Massachusetts, uh, the Wheaton of Massachusetts, we should point out. They sent us a little basketball hoop. Uh, I am wearing the Carthage Lady Reds shirt today. It's really comfy. I will be wearing a shirt, and we will uh, start displaying more of our shirts throughout the rest of the season. Uh, if you want to send them to us, email us or tweet us. We will send you our mailing address um, and any information you need per that. Um, the more the merry. we got a huge pile over here in the corner, and we'll try and display more of those that we've collected over the last few years. Let's jump into the Atlantic region. Speaking of the Wilkes-Barre area, if you go about, oh, what, uh, 15 to 30 minutes into the mountains towards the west of the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area, ran into Dallastown, Pennsylvania. And in Dallastown, Pennsylvania is the site of our next guest, uh, the Misericordia Cougars men's basketball team, 16-5 and five on the season. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is our head coach, Trevor Woodruff. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. It's been a little while since we've chatted with you specifically. Uh, you guys have uh, certainly are off to a great season here at 16-5. and five. You're tied atop the Freedom Conference, the MAC Freedom, uh, at 8-2, tied with Delaware Valley. I'm sure you're talking to Scott Koval about why they couldn't beat the Aggies a second time this season just yesterday, so you could be held first place by yourself. But overall, how's your season going? Well, we're pleased. Um, you know, in terms of the the statistics, sixteen and five. That's as that's as good as Misericordia has been uh, in, in its history. So we're, we're pleased with that. And to sit at eight and two in the league, um, you know, at this point with four to play is is uh, obviously better than the alternative. So we're excited about some of the things we've we've accomplished, and um, you know, even more excited about the, the next two weeks and what what possibly may lay ahead if we take care of our business. You went through a tough stretch right there in the middle of the season. Uh, fifth game of the year, you lost to Stockton, Richard Stockton, but in a very close manner. I think that loss, along with the way you you beat Scranton earlier, you beat Widener, uh, you then came back and uh, beat some teams that aren't aren't good, but certainly have been good in the past. Albright's good. Uh, 71-61, York 72-64, etc. I think a lot of people were starting to say, hey, we got to be watching the Cougars. I saw you guys popping up on top 25 um, information that we receive. And then you hit a stretch, and DeSales started it. Three-game losing streak with at DeSales, at Staten Island, then at at Penn State Barron. Should point out DeSales and Penn State Barron certainly having good years. Staten Island in the mix in their conference. That's a tough stretch to close out the season. 
Um, how did you kind of right the ship, as it were? Because four days later, you got you beat Haverford, and uh, until the sales got you the other day, you hadn't lost since. Well, it was it was just one of those things. We we weren't playing poorly. Um, we went to the sales, which is an extremely difficult place to to go and win. Um, you know, you can ask a lot of regional powers about that. I know Catholic is having a great year. They they got beat there this year. Yep. Um, it's just very tough to win there. Uh, we held them to 60 points, which most nights you feel like you're probably going to win if you do that, <laughs> and we got 59. So um, it was just uh, that kind of just started uh, a stretch of games. Then we came back, and we had to Staten Island for their Christmas tournament. And quite honestly, again, two good opponents uh, that we played up there. We didn't play poorly. We just couldn't make shots. We shot four of 26 over the two days uh, from three. And if you do that against quality people, you're, you're going to get beat, and that's what happened. So, you know, since then, it's just, we didn't panic. We just kept doing the things we we talked about doing from day one, and the guys have uh, remained committed, and, you know, here we are. Uh, DeSales, of course, tripped you up again at your place uh, just the yep. other night. Uh, not to rub that in, I just wanted to let everybody know by four the points. Time you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, sixty-seven, <laughs> sixty-three. Uh, I was at DeSales, saw them play uh, Delaware Valley. You're right, not the easiest place to play. Uh, that is old school basketball gym, uh, to say the least. But you got back on the on the winning stretch with that seventy-nine, seventy-seven win against Wilkes. But you've got a big game coming up on Wednesday uh, at home against Delaware Valley, basically to to stay in control of first place. Uh, of course, earlier in the season, not that long ago, I should say, back on the 28th, you beat Delaware Valley. So essentially, you beat them. It's a two-game lead, even though it's a one-game lead because you'll have the tiebreaker before then hitting the road against Kings and Eastern. Granted, Kings is basically falling down the hill, and you'll play at Kings. Uh, and then home against Manhattanville. Obviously, all four games mean something, but how big is that game on Wednesday? Well, it's huge. You know, you, you like to say that uh, every game has equal importance at this, this point of the year. Uh, but when you're playing the team you're tied with at the top of the conference, um, you know, a lot of a lot's going to be determined in terms of home court advantage based on what happens Wednesday night. And then obviously you can't overlook your other opponents either. Uh, all those games will be difficult. But, you know, Wednesday's the most important game of the year for a lot of reasons. Uh, mostly because it's the only thing, only game we have control of. So, you know, all of our eyes are clearly focused on Wednesday night, uh, beginning with practice when we get back in the gym tomorrow, hopefully, uh, depending on the weather. But um, we're looking forward to Wednesday. Great opponent, uh, two different styles of play. Should be a, should be a great game. Talking to Trevor Woodruff here, head coach for Misericordia in his 11th season with the Cougars. Um, team again, sixteen and five overall, eight and two in conference action. Let's talk about this team, coach. Um, a, a team that's got a, a couple seniors, three of them, I believe, on it, or is that four? I can't do four, math. Yeah. yeah, there you go, four. I can add one plus one. <laughs> um, so certainly you've got that senior leadership uh, that everybody always wants to have, but I've noticed this year hasn't necessarily had to be the key. Uh, there's been a lot of teams who've had underclassmen. Um, stepping up um, and, and leading the way in, in the stats or, or showing their leadership on the floor. What's it been like on your team? Well, no question. Our two guys uh, to start the year and uh, going in, we're, we're going to be Joe Busaka and Steve Ware. They were, they were returning uh, starters on a conference finalist last year. Um, both all-conference caliber guys. They're, they're, they're living up to the billing and 
you know, they're, they're carrying us statistically, but they also, you know, they set the emotional tone for our guys. They, they provide an example for the younger guys to follow at practice and in the preseason and all the things that, that need to take place without the coach being present. These guys have, have done a good job with. So, you know, I couldn't be happier with those two guys. Then we have two other seniors who, you know, they've put the time and work in and they're getting some, some minutes here and there, but, um, regardless of that, they have been everything you would want, uh, you know, from seniors in your program in terms of setting example and doing things the right way. So, uh, really happy for these four guys. Happy we're having some success, and you know, hopefully they understand that they're a big reason why. Uh, yeah, Busaka fourteen and a half points a game, along with Ware. Ware hauling in seven and a half rebounds a game. Both of them handing out a ton of assists. Both shoot very well. You shoot well as a team, forty five percent. Overall, what's been what's been the secret sauce, maybe as it were, if it's not necessarily certain guys, but what what's been working so well this season? Well, I think primarily it's been our defense. Um, you know, we've been ranked near the top and and you know significant defensive categories most most of the season, top five or ten in both scoring defense, field goal percentage defense, three point field goal percentage defense. So that's that's really been. Uh, the first key for us, the guys have bought into to being a team that depends on its defense. Um, the offense has been hit and miss, uh, as you indicated. You know, over the over the Christmas break, the offense kind of left us, and we lost some games. But as we've got into the league, you know, we've gotten a little bit more balance. Uh, those two guys have led the way, no question. But then it's been, um, you know, other guys on other nights. Uh, Griffin Spinago had a great game. Saturday afternoon down at Wilson and got 20 points. We needed every one of them to hold on and win by two. Uh, James Hawks had some good games, a uh, freshman big kid that we've had, and Eric Kearns, Jesse Yurk. All the guys in our rotation have, have really contributed, um, and you know we're going to need that uh, going forward if we're going to reach our goals. By the way, I, I just to have some fun with this, I noticed one of uh, your, your guys leading the way is uh, Griffin Sponagle. Um I didn't know you were allowed to have a Spinagle on your team. Uh, I thought uh, he, there, he's from Palmyra, which isn't that far from Lancaster, and I was pretty sure all Spinagles went through Franklin and Marshall um, <laughs> since there's a field named after him, a tournament named after Spinagle. Now, granted, there may be absolutely no relation, but that is one heck of a steal nonetheless. Well, Griff was an under-recruited kid. Um, maybe you should talk to, to Glenn down there and ask him why they didn't recruit him because he's been a good player for us, but um, we're happy to have him, and and uh, I wish he had younger siblings. I'd take them too. But he's been <laughs> great. He's been great for us. Anytime you're compared to F and M in men's basketball, that's a good thing. Yes, I figured I would. I would try and slide that in for you. But you're not in their region anymore. You're <laughs> that's in the Atlantic right. region now. Now you're in the region with the Cuniac, this the NJAC. Uh, of course, the CSAC came over with you, though it's not as 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 strong at the top as it has been in the past. You you certainly are at the home, let's say, of regional rankings and understanding regional rankings because your <laughs> athletics director, former head coach for you, um, Dave Martin, used to be the men's basketball committee chair. He's now the women's basketball committee chair. I'm sure you've picked his brain a time or two about all of this. But my my ask of you is how do you see yourselves in the conference lining up this season in what is a fascinating Atlantic region this year? Yeah, it's a great question. I, uh, to be honest, with you, I couldn't name one person on the Atlantic uh, 
region committee, including our our regional <laughs> rep. I don't I don't know who it is. I came off the rack yep. last season. Uh, this will be my first year not on it in the last three, and I'm not sure who replaced me. But um, it'll be interesting. I think it's it's um, you know interesting test case this week when the ranking comes out to see um, how the guys who have been in that region kind of take a look and, and compare us to them. Um, you know, a lot of it's numbers driven, but um, there are times when you know when ties get broken with. With opinions, so mm-hmm. um, it's a, you know it'll be interesting to see. I you know one of the reasons we went up to Staten Island was to try to get a little bit of the Atlantic flavor, and we played Staten Island, had a chance to play uh, Richard Stockton, and you know there's no question there's a lot of good basketball teams in the Atlantic, just like there were in the Mid Atlantic. So um, we'll have to wait and see see how it plays out, and just keep trying to win basketball games, and uh, hopefully be in a position at the end of the year that. Um, you know, you're considered one of the better teams in your region. You know how this system works, and granted, you may not know totally how the Atlantic looks, but when you're sitting at 16-5 and five and you know that another blemish is certainly possible in a very tough uh, region, um, is this one of those deals where you just have to go out and win this AQ and, and know that leaving this to an at-large is just too risky? Uh, in my 11 years, we've never talked about an, uh, an AQ. Uh, our conversations within our program, within our locker room, are, are always about competing and winning our conference. Um, I think if you focus on that, um, obviously it's an automatic bid, but if you focus on that and have enough success, then maybe those other things will follow as a result. So we don't discuss it. Uh, we certainly try to schedule, put a schedule together that we think puts us in the conversation if that situation occurs but um you know our goal every year is to just win the conference and then whatever happens from there you know we kind of have to just live with it well i appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your team um have you picked dave's brain at all just for the fun of it at least for my sake have you picked his brain well we talk a lot um (laughs) you know i'm i'm fortunate to to play for a guy that not only coached me but is uh is like family at this point uh so we talk about a lot of things and you know he he went over to the dark side. He's on the women's side now, which is <laughs> their uh, you know it's it's our loss is their game because he's he's tremendous at what he does and um you know he, whatever he does he does well so they're they're in good hands um, but we do talk about it and. Um, I certainly don't have any more answers than, than you do, Dave. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he uh, he must be with an earshot. You're speaking so highly of him. He's actually in the Philadelphia airport, if you can believe this. We have a search going for a new vice president. Yes. He's on the committee. They're doing interviews in the Philadelphia airport. He's stuck oh. there for two days. Oh, lovely him. He's on, like, <laughs> so many committees right now. I'm surprised you see that, man. Well, it's not off. He kind of pops. I got a text message about our, uh, about our game on Saturday, and, um, you know, our offices are next to each other, and uh, it's it's few and far between when we actually do get to sit down and talk. But when we do, I enjoy it. I look forward to it. He's a wise man, and uh, I've learned a lot from him. Before I let you go, how do you encourage people to come up into the hills of of, uh, of, of the <laughs> Pennsylvania area and get off of I-81? Um, it's beautiful up there. I've been there, yep. but uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a little bit of a challenge when it comes to recruiting. Well, everybody has their own challenges. There's no question. Sure. Um, uh, we feel like when we get kids on our campus, we have a great shot of, of, of getting them. It's a beautiful place. Uh, we have tremendous people who 
really all have the same goal in Miami is to give our students a, a top-notch experience and, and education. So, you know, we're only seven or eight miles outside of Wilkes-Barre, so there's some downtown there and, and city life and college life for them. And Dallas itself is, is, a, is a tremendous town. So um, it's not as hard as you would think, but certainly we have our challenges, and, um, you know, we don't shy away from where we're from. We love it, and our school, we think, is uh, as good as any out there. So No, it's certainly a nice what, campus. That's what we sell. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. a nice campus. Uh, look forward to getting up there for a basketball game sometime in the near future. Uh, coach, thanks so much for coming on. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, like everybody else, Dave, I, I sit back and uh, and wonder how you guys do what you do. It's uh, it's a lot of work, and you guys do it with uh, with great class and dignity, and, and you certainly serve Division Three very well. So thanks for what you do. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, we're not really sure how we do it either, just for the record. There's no <laughs> secret. <laughs> I got a family sitting upstairs wondering where Daddy is. That's pretty much how it works. <laughs> I know the feeling. Exactly. I had a feeling that, that, that runs deep. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck the rest of the season. Look forward to watching how the Cougars do the rest of the way, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. Yep, you too. Trevor Woodruff joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, his uh, Cougars of Misericordia, 16-5 and overall, 8-2 and in Mac Freedom play. Big, 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 big game coming up on Wednesday as the Aggies of Delaware Valley will come up to Dallas, Pennsylvania to take on Misericordia. That game, if you're in the area, is worth going to. 8 o'clock tip. Certainly there's other basketball games in the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton area. There's a lot of teams. You can start rattling them off. Scranton, Wilkes, um, you, of course, have Misericordia. you got Kings. That's just four, and there's more than that. Uh, so uh, great to have them on. Big game, as I said, coming up on Wednesday. Three more after that at Kings, which is pretty much rolling down the hill. Then at Eastern, then at Man or then versus Manhattanville at home for the Cougars. We'll see, of course, where they sit regionally ranked wise. Again, reminder in the Atlantic region, a little bit different this year with the MAC Freedom and the Colonial States Athletic Conference entering that region and leaving the Mid Atlantic. The bigger difference, too, is the NJAC's good, but the top of the CUNYAC's got some really good teams. The top of the Skyline has got some good teams this year. It's It's been fascinating to see, and we'll see how this all plays out um, in what is a much different Atlantic region than even last year. Remember, no at-large teams came out of the Atlantic region. Staten Island got stuck at the table uh, with William Patterson right behind them. So we'll see how it all plays out. Fascinating, to say the least. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump back into some women's basketball, jump down to Georgia, and talk to a team who just got a big win over a conference rival. We'll talk Barry women's basketball, the Vikings, with a win over Millsaps now at 8-2 and two in the SAA. We'll talk to Coach Stephanie Dunn about her team and how she sees things from her point of view. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. And by the way, Ask Dave coming up to finish the show as well. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, uh, message us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com on Twitter or hashtag Hoops. Let's try that again. Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on email, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Uh, that's how you can uh, interact with us. We certainly hope you will take the time to do so. Um, got some uh, things coming up in the next block, not this one, but the next one. Don't forget, Ask Dave segment. If you have questions about your team, your conference, regional rankings that are coming out that are certainly important. Uh, if you have questions about other items around Division Three, ask us via Twitter, email, Facebook. You can also, uh, we'll also get an update on Lauren Hill, um, the incredible freshman at Mount St. Joseph. Uh, we will get an update on her thanks to uh, a report from Brad Johnson. He's not reporting, but something he sent us. Um, coming up here. So uh, that's all coming up in the next block, uh, as it were. Um, speaking of um, impressive basketball so far, there's now a tie atop the uh, Southern, Athletic, uh, Southern Athletic Association women's basketball standings, thanks to a win today by Barry, who defeated Millsaps 60-54. Uh, to 54. They're now both 16-5 and and um, and 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 uh, eight and two in conference action, and we were trying to fill a slot, and this one jumped right out at us. So we figured we should have Stephanie Dunn on the show. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach for um, the the Vikings of Barry, Stephanie Dunn. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations um, on the on the victory today. That's a big win for you guys to stay right there with Millsaps at the top of the conference. Yes, um, we were very excited about the win today. We um, traveled to Jackson, Mississippi a couple of weeks ago and didn't have good results. Yeah. We um, ended up moving on the buzzer there. So, of course, you know, we were excited to have them come to our place today. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Uh, I would have been pretty happy to see them walking in my door as well um, if, if you know you nearly had them last time. Um, this is a conference where Rhodes certainly was carrying the mantle last year, but lost a little bit. 
Uh, Millsaps has been up there. Now you guys are in the on, in the thick of things after a 500 season last year, six and eight in conference action. Uh, basically, a little under 500 the year before. You guys have stepped out, as it were, uh, in into the conversation. Uh, was this the season you were expecting? You know, it really it really is. Um, we knew we had some key injuries last year. Um, our roster wasn't as, as deep as we wanted, but we felt extremely good about the the recruiting class we had and that we brought in. And so we, you know, my, I say we, I mean my staff, um, Brittany. Graham and I, we really um, had high hopes for this season, and and so far the, you know, I, I kept saying if we translate from paper to court, then we would be pretty good, and so so far we're happy with our results. Yeah, certainly paper to court's been working out pretty nicely uh, <laughs> for this Vikings squad. I'm sure you got Bob Lowe working overtime in some capacity. Uh, this is also <laughs> a somewhat young team. You only have one senior. I'm sorry, two seniors on this squad. Um, you've got a lot of uh, experience, as it were, coming back uh, for the future. Um, tell us a little bit about this squad, who is led by a senior, um, but you have four players in double figures. Yeah, you know, we have two seniors, but they are uh, just so instrumental um, in our success this season. And, and even, you know, last year we didn't have a great record, but we – for the past two years, we actually performed pretty well in the conference tournament. Um, but our, you know, we have two key seniors. One is Chandler Segura, who has received quite a few national honors um, over the last couple of years, and um, she's such a tremendous leader on and off the court. So, you know, she has a, a very young group around her, but she's such a strong leader that I think it, it's definitely helped. Um, the young girls to come on board quickly. Um, and then Mel McQueen, who's a hometown girl, so she keeps the crowd coming and, and keeps us with a home court advantage. Um, she's playing well, a great shooter. And I think, you know, it's only two, but there is a powerful two, if, if I can say that. Um, outside of that, we are very young. We have 10 freshmen and we have six sophomores. And, you know, our sophomores, um, Emma Cook and Valerie McClure especially are playing um, great basketball. And so we're we're young, but they got a lot of experience last year, and, and it's really helping. Um, and it's given our, our young players an opportunity to grow and develop as the season um, has, has unfolded. So, uh, you know, we, we feel good about what we're doing. Talking to Stephanie Dunn here, head coach of the women's Barry Vikings squad, who is 16 and five overall, 18 and eight and two in conference action, and already surpassed their conference or their regular season totals uh, for wins since becoming a Division three member. Of course, that happened under your watch. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, coach, you know you've you've had an interesting season. Uh, lost to to Emory early on, a pretty decent Emory squad. Piedmont got you earlier on the season as well. Rowan tripped you up on a trip to Florida which for most teams would be a, a luxury. I think for you guys, it's just a trip headed south. Uh, you get pretty nice weather during the winter. Uh, and then you mentioned that Millsaps trip uh, beating you up a little bit, and you guys couldn't recover, and, and center tripped you the next weekend uh, at their place before you righted the ship against Suwanee. Seems like you've had a few little blips on the radar, a few ups and downs, but you've recovered for the most part pretty well as that uh, Millsaps center is the only two-game losing streak you've seen so far. 
Yeah, and, and you know, Center, of course, is a, I would consider him a very smart team and mm. always well-prepared, um, you know, and, and Millsaps, of course, like you said, for the past few years has been very strong. Um, but, I, you know, we went into that weekend without one of those seniors I just talked about. <laughs> he was at home with the flu, and we definitely like – you know, so we definitely missed her on the court. I'm not saying that it cost us, you know, a win, but I will say that it was a different game without her, <laughs> you know. I can so. understand that, certainly. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you played uh, Millsaps uh, shortly after they had to take basically a bit of a break uh, from their schedule uh, due to the flu. It may have been a smart move not to bring her along. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've been battling it here on our campus, um, and I've been fighting hard to keep my players away from it, but one of them fell to it, and, um, you know, so it was a tough weekend without her. But, you know, the other losses, like you said, were two quality teams, I feel. Um, you know, Emory's experience, that was an early loss, maybe our third game of the season. Uh, we did come back and play Piedmont really well the next time out. Um and, and kind of avenged that loss, but um, you know we were young. We we are young, so we knew we would drop a few here or there. But like you said, uh, the recovery is what's important to me as a coach. So we um we'll keep working. <laughs> sure. Um, it, I'd love to talk a little bit about your history. You're a D1 student athlete. You played at Georgia and went to the Final Four your senior year in 1995 got into coaching, and now you're at Barry, and, and you were there in the transition as they moved into Division Three as a full-time member. How much of your 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 basketball experience back in 95 uh, and prior playing in D1 have you been able to use or has been beneficial um, in your coaching? Uh, is, it, is it a matter of relating with the student-athletes or just understanding the grind that this season can be? Uh, I think it's a combination, you know, being, I, I always say that I'm pretty much a player coach, you know, I, I definitely remember vividly being in their shoes. And of course I did play on some great Georgia teams um, that, you know, we did have the, the um, awesome experience of playing in the final four. But, um, you know, I think just understanding the grind um, and, and knowing when to push, when to pull back, that sort of thing really helps our student athletes. Um, it, it's been a, it was an interesting transition. Of course, we had the four years of probation and no postseason. And three of my years here, we didn't have a, a conference. So recruiting was a bit tough, you know, um, because if you know basketball, and I know you do, <laughs> March Madness means everything, sure. you know, and, and getting to the playoffs and, having a conference where you're in these type battles like today. So I think once we um, made it through that transitional period, which was really just last year, um, I was able to recruit and bring in the kind of student athletes that, that I think will make Barry proud um, over the next few years. Um, what do you expect? I was going to say, you got this young squad. You're certainly making some transitions if you're on top of the conference right now with uh, just you know a handful of seniors um you know the 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 future certainly looks bright and obviously you want to wait to see how it all actually tra plays out as it were but 
you talk about that transition, you talk about kind of now maybe stepping into maybe what you had expectations for in the past. Um, is this is the future as bright as it seems on paper for the Vikings? Is this something that the youth and, and as many freshmen as you brought in this year is a sign that this is a program that's going to be in the conversation, the SAA, if not nationally for a while to come? I, I truly believe it will. Um, we're the players are so dedicated and, and so loyal, and you know, Division Three is a is a division where the players have to play because they love the game. And I really believe I brought in a group. They're they're very cohesive. They're very family oriented, um, and really are just willing to do whatever. Um, you know, practice hard every day, have a good time with it. And and I think they're having the time of their lives. I mean, they're working hard, and my standard is extremely high. But I I just feel like that that this particular group has really bought in. So I think when you get that and you just continue to add to it, then I, I really believe our future is bright. Um, Coach Stephanie Dunn from the, the Bering Vikings. Bering, jeez, we'll try that again. Barry Vikings. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Bob. Um, the sixteen and five team. Coach, quickly four games ahead as we mentioned on the roads again on the road against Hendricks and Rhodes at home against Center and Swanee. You've now tied for first place in the conference. You did the hard work, as it were, to split with Millsaps. Um, how I mean, how important in the next four games it seems like a, a silly question to ask, but really. What 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 is the what's the mentality moving forward? Well, you know, like you said, Rhodes has a, a a tradition of winning as of late, and so you know, I mean, Hendricks is as tough a team as as we play all year, as far as just being gritty and you know, just having having the athletes that it takes. So um, that road trip is going to be one that will really tell us if, if we've arrived, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, um, and then, you know, center, of course, we lost to, so yeah. we've got to, you know, come up with answers for that one. So, yeah, I mean, big, big four games left. Um, I, I feel like we're up to the task. I feel like we're hungry, um, you know, for the wins, for, you know, to keep ourselves in position to win the conference. Um, we know that it's going to take a lot of work and probably a little bit of luck and, and a few other things, but, we, um, you know, is I can't even put an importance on it for our program, but um, you know, I, Millsaps has pretty much the same teams left almost as we do, so we just have to see how it works out. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show, especially last minute, as it were. Um, appreciate you taking the time to talk about your Vikings again. Press, impressive season so far. Uh, great win today against Millsaps. Uh, and obviously four big games coming up as well. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, you know, just check out Division Three basketball. It's, it's incredible. I played at the D1 level, but I have tremendous respect for the student-athletes at this level, and I appreciate um, the time and energy you put forth in bringing our, our um, game to the forefront front worldwide really um we just i hope you know how much the coaches appreciate what you do well thank thank you. you very much 
Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Kind words. I just realized we forgot to put your picture up during the entire interview, so the rest of the segment, while we uh, wrap up a couple things, I'm going to keep your picture up just in case. It only seems fair. I don't know how I forgot it. but uh, Thanks so much. Take care. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to watching the Vikings the rest of the way. All right. Thank you. Take care. Stephanie Dunn, whose picture will stay up for the rest of this segment, joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate her taking the time to do so. Again, a bit of a last minute as we were trying to fill a hole. We appreciate it. Again, 16-5, and 8-2 and two in conference. Now they've tied Millsaps with that win atop the conference. Next weekend, they're on the, roads at, on the road at Hendricks and Rhodes. Easy to say when Rhodes is one of your teams that you're playing. Then they'll finish the season at home. Against Center and Sewanee, um, certainly big games for them. Uh, Hendricks, they beat by 11 at home back in early January. We talked about the Center being the loss. Um, Rhodes, they beat by a good 18-point margin um, earlier in this season as well when they played them. Uh, and then Sewanee, they, they beat by seven. So interesting four games ahead for Stephanie Dunn and the Barry Vikings uh, as we move forward. Coming up, again, keeping her picture up for the rest of the segment. Coming up, uh, we're going to get an update on Lauren Hill, um, and we'll ask Dave. So if you got questions for us, tweet them, message us, et cetera, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Questions about your team. Your, get my opinion on your team, my opinion on your conference my opinion on regional rankings whatever the case may be send them to us let us know we'll answer those all coming up in the final segment of the show you listen to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com and the national association of basketball coaches more hoops so right after this we've got more schools than division one more fans than division two and more upsets than march madness there's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show here on this February the 8th. Reminder, we're on the air 7 to roughly 9 o'clock Eastern time every Thursday and Sunday, though we certainly go into overtime. I have a feeling we'll go into overtime again today. Um, so get used to that. In three weeks' time, we'll certainly have plenty of coverage surrounding who's in and who may be out of the NCAA tournament. How that coverage is to be broken down is to be determined. Um, need to work out some things and figure out how we're going to do it. Remember last year had a big blowout show, and then we decided overnight to do a women's bracketology show. That led into the uh, matchup Monday show, and I'll freely admit probably did not get enough sleep to make that work. So uh, Pat and I will probably chat it out and figure out how we want to do it down the road, but we will figure it out nonetheless. So stay tuned to us. Of course, on Twitter and Facebook for more information at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. By the way, those are also the ways you can contact us if you have any questions. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Nathaniel has a question. He was one of two guys uh, last week who got the uh, nearly got the question, uh, the, the, the game we played correct, uh, totally correct. He and the other uh, gentleman will get T-shirts from us if they'd like them. The question was, what were the three major differences in uh, the foreground or background um, on our show? Uh, we had pre-recorded a lot of our show last week, and so to have fun with that, we changed a few things around. Uh, the two ones that they got correct was the banner on our door back there had been the NCAA basketball one, and during our pre-tape segments it was, but at the beginning and end of the show, you'll notice, it was this D3 Hoops banner. So that was the first one they got correct. The second one had to do with the shirt I was wearing. Um, during my pre-taped segments, I was wearing an NCAA basketball championship weekend shirt. But during the beginning and end of the show, I was wearing a DeSales blue polo. Those were the two that they got correct. The other one I thought was just a little bit of fun, so I, I just threw it. I didn't throw it in there. It was just part of the equation that I'm surprised no one picked up on. I hadn't had a haircut in about two months, and so my hair was pretty darn long. It is pretty good short now, and I like it short. And I thought that one would be pretty obvious, too, as a disheveled-looking hair uh, in the pre-tape segments revealed into this short, very tight, uh, cropped haircut in the beginning and end of the show. But no one picked up on the haircut. That's fine with me. I just find it kind of amusing because uh, my wife picked up on it pretty darn quick. Uh, so, Nathaniel, the third thing was my haircut. Uh, we might do that in the future as well and give away some T-shirts. By the way, we are giving away T-shirts to any of those who um, select a certain perk level on our uh, fundraising project. The fundraising project is important to us because it helps us be able to cover Division Three in the ways that we can't right now. Last year, we were very successful with our fundraising campaign. And admittedly, we've been a little quieter this year just trying to see how it would gain its own traction. It's gained a little bit of traction, and now we're, I think we're going to have to push it forward hard, hardcore. The goal, if you ever go to it and see what our goal is, our goal is mainly just a, a benchmark. It doesn't have to be our resounding goal. Uh, we can change it if we want. Uh, but it, it changes what kind of fees we get charged, essentially, and cuts our fees in half so we get to keep more of the money, uh, as it were. So uh, our goal is $5,000. We certainly would appreciate any money that you can uh, feel is worth contributing to us so we can cover Division Three the way it deserves to be covered. Um, if you select a $50 perk, for example, you'll get a Hoopsville t-shirt. If you select a $100 perk, you'll get a Hoopsville t-shirt and get to uh, request a specific guest to be on the show. And if you uh, go 250 or higher, you can be a guest on the show as well. Um, before we get to any of your questions, I want to get to a Lauren Hill update. 
Um, there has been a, another recent sighting, as it were, for lack of a better description. Um, she was um, honored recently um, by uh, her school. You were called um, and you were asked by God to take an extraordinary there, journey. Let's, uh, let's drop that. We don't know. try and fix that if, if you don't mind. Hold on a quick second. I know it's in black. It's just easier to do it this way. I apologize for the audio. Did not realize it was set that loud, so we'll figure that out. There we go. So Lauren Hill, oh, get that back. And there we go. Lauren, Lauren Hill was honored called, by her school with an honorary doctorate of journey. humane letters. Uh, congratulations to her. There was an online petition journey, for this. Who knows if that was the actual uh, result? This video supplied to us by Brad Johansson, our friend. Um, who's been covering this story, um, certainly um, in detail um, over the years, uh, or over the months, I should say. She was uh, honored, as we said, um, at her school. She had actually been in the hospital the week prior. Um, she had been weak, but got out of her wheelchair and walked down the aisle to this private event that took place. Um, Brad at WKRC supplying us the video, and there you see her getting that letters and, and being able to change her tassel. Here's what the, the head of the school had to say about Lauren Hill. Lauren, you were called and you were asked by God to take an extraordinary journey. We don't know why you were called for this particular journey, but you agreed to do God's will and you embraced the challenge. You have accomplished much, even more than most of us here could imagine accomplishing in our own lives. You are an inspiration to us all. But it's not just your accomplishments that are being recognized this evening. It is also your character. And so, by the authority vested in me by the Board of Trustees in the State of Ohio, I confer on you the degree for which you have been nominated and welcome you into the ranks of Mount Alumni. Lauren, you may change your tassel from right to left. Turns out we were running the wrong clip. I apologize. You probably already heard her say much of that um, or had that said much of it. And uh, certainly congratulations to her. Remember, she was not expected to live in, in up until December. She has gotten past that. She played in four basketball games, been an honorary head uh, assistant coach on the team now. Um, she has gotten to a couple more games since then. Uh, it's now February, folks. It's amazing what she has done. Her next goal is to get to a huge gala uh, in honor of the specific um, disease that she is suffering from, um, and that is coming up uh, in April. We'll see if that happens or not. Nonetheless, congratulations to her. So that's your update from Lauren Hill. If you have questions for us about your team, your conference, regional rankings, whatever, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville um, or use the hashtag hoopsville. Um, we certainly would love to have uh, answer those questions. Remember, big deal. Um, um, big deal coming up for um, regional rankings on Wednesday. 
Um, and this will give us a sense, first and foremost, of where things stand. I think that's the most important part of this. The second thing is it gives you a, an early sense of how the committees are balancing the SOS, the wins and loss percentage, head-to-heads. Um, we will not see results versus regionally ranked opponents this time. That will come um, next week because there are no regionally ranked opponents to have results versus until they're regionally ranked. So they're not going to rank, then have that, then re-rank. So the first week does not have results versus regionally ranked opponent information. The next week will. So we will get that information in due time, but the rest of the criteria is certainly there. Wins and loss percentage, results versus um, Division three opponents, of course, Remember, it's all of your uh, all of your record counts as long as you played set paid played seventy percent of your games in region, and they also came out and remember this is key and I don't think there's anybody in serious trouble because I haven't looked at it, but um, look at how important it is um, that the the committees are no longer granting waivers willy nilly, um, and so it's important. To understand that, you know, you got to play seventy percent, or you're going to have big holes in your record. Um, just got a tweet, and I'm trying to find it now. Forgive me, there it is. See if Wags can tell us how they beat Dickinson, so we can do the same thing on Wednesday. Coming from, uh, <laughs> coming from uh, McDaniel. Yeah, we'll see if Wags can give us an idea. I don't know if he's listening to the show or not, but maybe he can chime in. And let us know how Ursinus beat Dickinson, which was certainly bright. Listen, I've been hearing for a while that Ursinus had been had him improving. I saw them near the beginning of the season, and it wasn't good. Um, but all, all reports I'd gotten was Ursinus was certainly an improving squad. Um, and and clearly, if you're beating Dickinson, Dickinson has struggled a little bit with some games on the road. Um, but you know. Now you're looking at a scenario here where Johns Hopkins is on top of the conference, having beaten Dickinson at home. They still have a rematch to go. Dickinson also has to travel to FNM. Of course, FNM lost to Washington College uh, this weekend. Johns Hopkins had to come from 19 back uh, in the last few minutes, basically, to win at Swarthmore. So, you know, the Centennial Conference a little bit on its head. How this in fact affects regional rankings is to be decided. One pollster or one uh, board member um, in, in the Mid-Atlantic thought Johns Hopkins would be on top. The problem is Johns Hopkins SOS is actually not that that impressive. Um, below 500, no, they're right at 501, uh, 500, like 505, I think, is their number. Um, whereas, you know, Dickinson's a 550. So does a head-to-head win and basically an even record trump an SOS? Um, or does an SOS, we should say, flip that around, trump those two? Uh, if you played out the .03 that Jeff Burns talked about, um, then Dickinson's going to have a significant win-loss percentage improvement over Johns Hopkins. So now does the head-to-head trump that? Um, question is, are they using once-ranked, always-ranked as part of the criteria? No, Dean, they, will, they are not. And, Dean, I hate to tell you, I'm not going to see you on Saturday, buddy. I wish I was. I will not see you on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be tied up with lacrosse Saturday night, if you can believe it. Um, unless something major changes, but I'm pretty sure it won't. 
Um, but no, they are not using results versus regionally ranked opponents as a once ranked, always ranked. They got rid of that last year. Um, we remember when this first started, results versus regionally ranked opponents, there was um, it, it, the first year we didn't have it. The second year they added it, and we had it for what, three some odd years, including one year where I think Randolph Macon ended up playing all but like three of their games against a regionally ranked opponent, or at least was tallied that way, even if they had fallen out of the regional rankings. So once you were ranked, you were always ranked in the sense of results versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, they felt that was overkill. Um, so they got rid of it as of last year. Um, my solution would be a twice-ranked, always-ranked. Um, I also would love to see one more set of regional rankings at the beginning of the year. I wish we were already talking about regional rankings. Uh, add them one more week. I don't think it hurts, especially if you decide to just stick with you know only the regional ranked at the end. The problem with the only regional ranked at the end is we don't know that data, the results versus regionally ranked opponents, and we because we don't know who was ranked at the end of the, of the season. Um, and that's where a lot of that data comes into play. Where I wish they would they would make it public. I'd love to see them make the SOS public as well. Um, personally, I, I get that there are committees out there, not in basketball but elsewhere in Division Three, that don't want to get their regional ranks rankings published. I get that they don't want to do it. I don't agree that they shouldn't be doing it. Don't get me wrong. I get that they don't want to do it. I don't understand why you don't do it, and I also don't understand why the NCAA says, "Guess what." We're releasing it. It's not a matter of whether you want to or not. If you have problems with coaches calling you out on this information, either do it right and stand by it or get the coaches to understand how it works. But we're not hiding this because you're afraid of what coaches might say. Listen, to me, it makes it seem to other committees um, that they want to hide and not, not stand up for what they're doing. Stand up for the regional rankings, plain and simple. If you can't stand behind them by making them public, you're not standing behind them. And the argument is that um, that the NCAA tournament results, who's in the in the tournament, is telling you what the rankings are. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not telling us who. Like Staten Island, we are assuming, and and by all accounts, was the last, the first team at the table for the Atlantic Region and never came off. And William Patterson was behind them. I haven't heard otherwise. That doesn't mean we know for a fact that William Patterson wasn't ahead of Staten Island. We have no facts to that. We have no idea who was sitting behind Dickinson in the men's basketball rankings last year in the Mid-Atlantic region. We do not know. Officially. the I feel the NCAA should say, we don't care if you want them ranked or not, or released or not released. They're getting released. Deal with it. It's part of the system. We release almost everything else in the NCAA. You can find everything online you need to find. Shot across the bow there to a ranking group that couldn't find when the women's basketball tournament was taking place recently. Couldn't find it on the NCAA website. I can find it with my eyes closed in many locations those dates. Why we can't have that regional ranking then released is beyond me. And, I, and again, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know the men's committee would like them ranked. I assume the women's does because I think that's the, the, the message I've gotten. But they're in the minority. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, as a result, Dean, we don't know who the – obviously it is, but it, we are no longer once ranked, always ranked. That's not how it works. 
If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Facebook us, Facebook.com. Um, you'll give you a few more minutes to ask us questions. Again, regional rankings coming out. Well, a little blip there. I hope you're all still there. A little break in the action there. That was a little strange. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you have questions for us about regional rankings, your team, conference, whatever, uh, we'll take a few more minutes here and get that information to you. Not sure why the system indicated to me you weren't getting a signal. I hope you were. Um, I will tell you now the podcast will be slightly delayed because I just noticed I never hit the record button on the computer. So we're going to have to wait till YouTube has finished processing our video and download it from them and then turn around the podcast. So that might take until tomorrow. Um, again, we're on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time, Sundays and Thursdays. We usually go till 9. But as you may be noticing, if you're watching live, uh, we are well past 9 Eastern time right now. Um, and we will probably do that a lot. In the closing weeks, another reminder: we are wearing the Carthage Lady Reds uh, shirt tonight. It is a very comfortable shirt. Uh, we are wearing that tonight. We will wear a Division Three shirt that we have in our collection throughout the rest of the year. We will also try and hang a few more shirts in our backdrop. If you'd like to 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 have a shirt or some type of paraphernalia, like the women's Wheaton basketball team from Massachusetts sent us this great little basketball hoop. If you'd like to have that in our background, send it to us. Tweet us or email us. We will send you information on how you can send it to us. We would love to uh, feature your your team in our backdrop. Of course, our backdrop is also the backdrop, um, also the backdrop for um, the YD3 show. So you'll get some attention there as well. Got a question? I'm not sure if they're listening to the show or not. Uh, Mark, if you are, let us know. Where do I get my SOS numbers from? There's a great gentleman named uh, Matt Snyder, who puts those numbers together. I'm trying to remember if we have a link to him. Forgive me a second here. Uh, I don't see a link right now. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Hold on a second. I'll have to check with our friend Pat Coleman about this. But he, he sends out information... Um, I don't see a link. We'll try and find it. He he blogs it, and basically his numbers are based on NCAA information that I was able to get him over the summer. He had been trying taking the information he saw in the manual and doing it for a number of years, but we saw a big difference in the last couple of years because the NCAA stats group changed a little bit of how the math is done. Without getting into details, basically instead of taking the 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 weighted part and putting it on each specific team they were doing it on an average so all of your road games boom all of your weight home games boom etc etc as a result um uh, his numbers were a little off and we couldn't figure it out anyway i had conversations through some connections blah 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 I'll make a long story short um He's he's doing that math, and so I think his numbers are going to be pretty accurate. We'll find out. He ran his numbers for today. We'll see how they match up with the data that comes out on Wednesday and see how off or on that is um, to find out. But either way, even if his numbers are slightly um, off, they're still off for everybody, so he still gives you an idea of an SOS number. Um, and so I've got um, a little bit closer to his raw stuff that he gives me, um, but he blogs a lot of it. Pretty much he blogs what he has um on often surprised we don't have it more available i'll talk about 
to Pat about how we can maybe get a little more access to that. Don't forget, Top 25 comes out tomorrow. We'll have a new number one team, most likely, in the women's side. I can't imagine uh, that FDU Florham stays number one after taking their first loss in 53 games with the fact that there are, there are four other undefeated teams behind them in the top six. Um, I think if, if FDU Florham took their first loss at this point, and they were on a men's side of things, I think there would be a fair argument about keeping them number one at this point in time. Um, but they aren't. Uh, Marietta on the men's side is the only undefeated team left. They're getting a couple top 25 votes. We'll see how that continues. The fact is, you know, the top of the men's side, except for Dickinson, didn't take any blemishes this time around, which is saying something. Uh, how the rest of the top 25 shakes out, is anybody's guess, to be completely honest. It is going to be wide open and fa fascinating to watch, um, to be sure. I'm actually calling up the top 25 um, on the men's side. Top three, there was no loss. Dickinson took a loss. Augustana took a loss. That's in your top six. WPI lost uh, to Babson. Should have pointed that out earlier in the show, and we forgot. So um, Babson earning the victory there. Uh, Carnegie Mellon beat Wash U. Uh, Emory uh, lost to NYU. Franklin and Marshall actually lost twice this week, once to Johns Hopkins and once to Washington College. Will they stay in the top 25? The loss to Johns Hopkins, well, that was a, a you know, as a top 25 voter, I look at that and go, okay, well, I have them behind Hopkins anyway. The top 25 has them behind Hopkins. So, well, if I think they're behind Hopkins as a top 25 and Hopkins beat them, okay. Expected. Not going to knock them for it, necessarily. And it was a close game. They lost 50-46. Uh, to 46. But then they lost to Washington College. 81-80 to 80 in overtime. By the way, I'm not... Washington College is a tough place for Franklin Marshall to, to play. They've lost four times in, in six years to Washington College. So to me, I now have to consider, does that loss to Washington College look worse then maybe it is, or is it worse than it really is? So two losses. Does Franklin Marshall stay in the top 25? Whitworth, or by the way, Richard Stockton lost to Ramapo. I haven't been voting for Richard Stockton of late. We'll see how the voters deal with that. Whitworth lost to Whitman, and it wasn't close, 68-44. A little tough one there. Elmer's lost to Wheaton. We pointed that out earlier. Worcester lost yet again to Denison. They've lost three of the last four. Will Worcester stay in the top 25 is the question now. Rest of the top 25, no losses. St. Olaf, Chapman, Catholic, St. John Fisher, and William Patterson survived, though William Patterson had one of their games postponed and will continue to be postponed. Uh, those receiving votes didn't do so well. We pointed out NYU lost. Case Western Reserve lost twice. Chicago lost. MIT lost. Harden-Simmons lost twice. Harden-Simmons uh, uh, feels like the, the wheels are coming off the bus. I think they've lost four of their last five or something. North Central lost to Illinois Wesleyan. Bethel lost to both Hamlin and St. John's. So how does that all play out? Who knows? That's just on the men's side. Certainly a little more tame of a week, but you still got plenty of questions there. How about the women? The women, not as bad, but again, FDU, FDU Florham loses to Eastern. Then you have to go all the way down to eighth. NYU loses to Rochester. Whew, tough loss for the Violets there. Then they, Whitworth lost to Whitman as well. Maryville lost to Greensboro. John Carroll lost to Capital. 
I would say that's a Hoopsville jinx, but let's be honest, folks. There's a lot of teams still winning who've been on this show. Williams lost to Tufts, no surprise there. Texas Dallas lost to Harden Simmons in the receiving votes category, and Trinity Texas having a tough stretch right now lost to Southwestern and Texas Lutheran. That's all on the women's side of things. So fascinating top 25. Guess that's it. I don't see any more questions coming in from any of you, so I guess we'll take that as a sign that maybe we've uh, covered our covered the topic as it needs to be covered. We'll be back on the air Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. Don't forget again, top twenty-five rankings come out on Wednesday. Stick with d3hoops.com via Twitter. Of course, a hashtag d3h. We will tweet those as soon as we see them and get them out to you. They're important, again, to understand what the committees are doing to balance the criteria and understand the criteria. How are they breaking this down? I will tell you now, SOS is going to have, is on the men's side, in my, in my estimation, SOS is having a significant role, not being number one, but a significant role if Dickinson is ahead of Hopkins in the regional rankings. And the way I say that is because... Dickinson has a difference of a .05 over Hopkins. If you remember my conversation with Jeff Burns, he talked about a .03 being a difference of two games. So if that were the case, let's look at Hopkins and Dickinson as an example of that. Okay? Hopkins has a 506 SOS. Dickinson has a 551 based on Matt's numbers. Dickinson is 18-3. Hopkins is 19-2. If we go by the two games, for argument's sake, let's make Hopkins, instead of 19-2, let's make him 17-4. And, and let's make Dickinson, instead of 18-3, 20-1. So now you have a difference of four games between, or three games between the two teams. Instead of a Hopkins one-game advantage, it is a Dickinson three-game advantage. So based on that, let's just say because of that, that gives Dickinson those two criteria. They've got a better SOS, and they would result in a better win-loss if they played on Hopkins's SOS criteria. Hopkins has a head-to-head win. Does that trump those other two? Some interesting questions. I'm not saying Dickinson's necessarily one and Hopkins is necessarily two, but that would be how I would probably put him. I'd probably put Dickinson one and Hopkins two. They still have one more head-to-head. Should Dickinson win that, it changes everything. If Hopkins wins that, I think you hands down have Hopkins as your number one in the region. But Hopkins is right at a 500 SOS, roughly. So that's where those conversations come in. Based on what I'm hearing, I think I go with Dickinson ahead of Hopkins, despite the head-to-head. Now, they could flip that around and say, okay, hold on. That's going to wash out those two numbers, those SOS, and it's too close. We'll go to the head-to-head, and then it goes to Hopkins. I have a feeling that's where those conversations get the most interesting. I've already been warned, by the way, Northeasters. Don't look for anything great out of Albertus Magnus. I've been warned. Albertus Magnus has one loss. Their SOS is a 454. My gut tells me they're not even top six. And that's not based on the criteria of me saying that. That's, that's the, the underground rumblings I'm hearing. 
is Albertus Magnus may not even be top six in the Northeast. Maybe they, maybe not top four in the Northeast. They are not going to be that high because that 454 is hurting him. Consider on Matt's numbers, a 454, he's got him in 15th place in the conference or in the region. Okay. Flip that around. Consider Bates is 579 in an SOS. Okay. Williams is a 638, though, at 13 and 8. Babson at 19 and 2 is a 543. That's a full tenth of a point better than Albertus Magnus. Bowden's a 603. Trinity's a 552. Eastern Connecticut's a 541. Rhode Island College a 571. Springfield a 563. Amherst a 543. WPI 525. Colby 599. Tufts 601. MIT 522. Middlebury 526. I haven't even gotten to Albertus Magnus, who now comes up next. 457. The challenge for Albertus Magnus, and it has been there from the beginning in the last few years, is their schedule. Albertus Magnus needs to find a way to improve their schedule. They've talked about how the NESCAC won't play them. Okay, fine. There's other teams to play. Now, I will give them this. They played Richard Stockton but lost. Purchase should have been a better team this year. I can't remember who else was on that schedule off the top of my head who probably was is not having the season they probably expected. So they at least went out and tried and find somebody. Purchase, it's based on injuries, folks. They lost seven players before the season started, including their best player in the and one of the best players in the country to a season-ending injury. There's nothing you could do there. I get that. I'm not knocking Albertus Magnus for that. They at least tried, but let's try a little harder now. They aren't that far some, from some good conferences in Pennsylvania, in Maryland, even in New Jersey. If the NESCAC won't play you, fine. There's other teams in New England who are good. So Albertus Magnus, just be warning you in the Northeast right now, don't be surprised if they're not top six in the first regional rankings. And by the way, remember, they can move up the regional rankings. The first ones are not the end of the world. They give you an idea of where you're going to be put. But they're also not the end. They can, you can move up as long as you keep winning and other teams are losing and they reevaluate. Remember, every regional ranking, they look at it brand new. They don't, they don't start with the regional ranking from the previous week and go, okay, what has changed? We're not going to change it. They literally start anew every single week. So Albertus Magnus may move up, but I, from what I'm gathering, don't be surprised if they're not top six in the Northeast region. I think it's it's going to be fascinating to see how this all transitions and, and plays out. The the Atlantic region, I'm fascinated why. you got Brooklyn in the CUNYAC, Baruch in the CUNYAC. You have an, a bunch of NJAC teams, all with – I mean, Richard Stockton apparently has an, a 606 SOS, which is ridiculous. I'd love to know how they're tapping into that. But that's helping the NJAC for the first time. The NJAC may get an extra team because – they have some decent SOSs this year. Richard Stockton's a 606. William Patterson's a 564. Rutgers Newark's a 562. Rowan is a 550, 527. New Jersey City's a 590. TCNJ's a 558. 
pretty good. Now, things will those numbers will come down by the end of the season. Still pretty darn good. South region, probably going to be Randolph, Macon, Virginia, Wesleyan leading the way, I suspect. But the rest of it's going to be fascinating to see. Emory does not have nearly the same SOS number they had last year. Remember, they had the best SOS number last year. Made the NCAA tournament be mainly because of that SOS. This year, it's a 521. It's not as good. Great Lakes, Marietta's probably on one. Can't imagine they're not. Even though they're a 488 SOS, it's a big difference. Now, here's the thing, though. They're 21 and 0. Their nearest competitor is 17 and 4. In, in um, you know, Penn State Barons are 19 and 2, but they got a, a worse SOS than Marietta. Ohio Wesleyan uh, is 17 and 4. Worcester's 16 and 5. Case Western Reserves 12 and 5. Can't imagine anybody's going to jump Marietta. There's an example where Marietta doesn't have a great SOS at a 488, but they're undefeated, and nobody else has a better record. So that's a flip of Albertus Magnus, who has a loss, but a weak, a weaker SOS at 454. That's why you know you got to watch out. Those SOSs in New England are huge this year. By the way, Stevens Point has a better SOS than Whitewater, but do the head-to-head. I I can't believe that. Matt has Stevens Point ahead of Whitewater. Granted, he's just working on numbers, but Whitewater has a head-to-head win over Stevens Point. And Stevens Point has three more losses. So I can't imagine why Stevens Point has a 606 SOS. I can't believe that 606, difference of .06, will make up for Whitewater, who's got him in two other categories. So there's another one of those things where Whitewater has an SOS. Disadvantage. They have a good SOS at 544, don't get me wrong, but they have a disadvantage to Stevens Point, who's got a 606 of .06. But they've got a head-to-head win, and when you start playing in the, the differences of .03, which, by the way, doesn't translate to .06. Jeff has pointed that out. Jeff Burns has. Um, I don't know if Whitewater trumps with a better win-loss and a head-to-head win over Stevens Point. I don't think that's going to trump the SOS. That's the difference with Dickinson and Hopkins again. Um, basically, their win-losses are equal. Hopkins has one more win and one less loss. Um, but the difference in SOS is in Dickinson's favor, not McDaniel, you know, not in this case where it's in Stevens Point's favor. Um I think Dickinson gets it because the numbers are so close and the head to head goes to Hopkins, I know, but the SOS goes to that's where this gets interesting. So I could see Dickinson ahead of Hopkins, but I could see Whitewater ahead of Stevens Point. It's just crazy like that. Because there's also a difference of three losses, by the way, between Stevens Point and Whitewater. Three losses. It's not one loss like it is Dick Dickinson and Hopkins. Uh, in the West region, St. Thomas is most likely going to be your number one. Can't imagine they wouldn't be. I don't think there's going to be any surprises out of the West region. Got another message uh, via the Hoopsville little softball uh oh hold on where is this question i lost it dean did you did you drop it on me where is it i don't see it let's see if i can is sos determined by dean i lost your message my friend it was there now i don't see it let's see if we can find another way to get to it it starts off says we'll lob another softball at you is SOS determined by all, and then I lose the question. So, Dean, fire it at me another way. Maybe just message me, buddy. We're friends on Facebook. Just message me. I can't read it for some reason. Let's try it again. Yeah, I can't read it. 
Maybe I answered your question, but message me directly on Facebook. Get me that question. See if I can answer it for you. If you got last-minute questions, Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Going to wrap this up here in a couple minutes. Um, some of you holding on listening, so I appreciate it. Again, if you got questions, let us know. Uh, Dean, Facebook me, bud. Let's see if I can find Dean here. Um, big games ahead. We talked about uh, Whitewater playing uh, Stevens Point on Wednesday. Of course, after the regional rankings come out. Um, Israel Cordy is playing Delaware Valley. There's a lot. Wednesday has been the most fascinating day of the season, I think, this year, besides maybe UAA Friday or UAA Sunday, but um, certainly UAA Friday. Uh, but Wednesday night has just been fascinating. It's been a who's who of teams losing on Wednesday nights, especially in men's basketball. Is SOS determined by the teams you play or just the ones you beat? SOS is determined by the teams you play. SOS, remember, is two-thirds of your opponent winning percentage plus one-third of your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So who you, who you play and who they play matter. Who you play is two-thirds of the equation, and who they play is one-third of the equation. That way, you beat a team that's 21-0, and 0, but the 21 wins that they got were against teams that are 3-13 and 13 the entire way. You're not going to get a lot of credit for that win over. You don't get as much credit for that win over the 21 and 0 team. Also, on the men's side of things, they weight the uh, games. So if you play a team on the road, um, if you play a team on the road, it is is it is weighted 1.25. So their winning percentage is 1.25. If you play a team at home, it's point it's 0 0.75. Neutral is 10. So if you play a team on the road, your their winning percentage is weighted by 1.25, and if you play the team at home, it's weighted by 0 0.75. That's why for most conferences, basically imagine that your SOS in conference is 500 because everybody kind of it, it beats the numbers off. Uh, it's not quite like that, but it's kind of like that. Now, a conference like the ODAC or the Midwest Conference or NESCAC or somewhere else where they don't play a true round-robin, double round-robin, or, or even a round-robin in general for the NESCAC, that's not the case. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that your win-loss percentage of your opponent does not take into account your game. So your win-loss, if you play a team that is 20-5 and five and you beat them, it stays 20-5 and five for you. Your game is not associated in the SOS. The, the, the way that works out then is that you don't benefit or get punished for beating or, or losing to them. The idea being you beat them, technically their SOS would take a hit because they take another loss. Well, not for your SOS because they won't incorporate that. Now, if they were to lose three more games outside of that, then your SOS would take a hit. That's why we see SOS numbers change quite a bit. SOS numbers right now are really high. I don't think they stay that way. We've got three more weeks of games where everybody's conferences will even off, and that will, for most, for most, that will either bring their SOS down or bring it up, depending on where it is. I always look at it at this time of season. If your SOS is above 500 and you're playing in a double round robin set, depending on who you've got left, 
your SOS is probably going to come closer to 500. If your SOS is below 500, I consider it's probably going to go up again, depending on who you've got left. Um, basically, your SOS is a, a little bit more of a measurement of who you have played out of conference, um, which is fascinating about Albertus Magnus being a 454, yet they played Richard Stockton, who's a 606. It tells you who else Albertus Magnus played. Um, it would also tell, gives you a statement of who, who their conference has played. Because, again, the SOS technically is 500 in conference, but if you're in a weak conference, your SOS is below 500. If you're in a really good conference, your SOS is going to be above 500 for that conference. Um, and that's not based on necessarily good as a conference within the conference, but who they're playing outside of the conference. Like the ODAC is a good conference. Granted, this may be a bad example because it's not a double-round robin set per se, but that's because Randolph, Macon, Hamden, Sydney, Virginia, Wesley, and all these teams go out and play very good teams. And so you benefit from that SOS. Where is if you, whereas if you go play the NAC, for example, a lot of those teams don't play good teams out of conference. And so you get bad opponent-opponent winning percentages. So that's how that all it's, – it's, it's tough to – when a coach calls me and says, hey, how do you improve your SOS? I tell them two things. One, go out and play better teams who are playing better teams. So go pick on a specific conference. You know, if, if, if that's why I say Albertus Magnus. Okay, so the NESCAC won't play them. Well, then talk to the NUMAC. If not the NUMAC – Talk to, heck, even the Triple C, the top of the Triple C, or the top of the LEC. You know, Endicott, Eastern Nazarene, Nichols, Eastern Connecticut, all Rhode Island College, all good teams to play in New England. For Albertus Magnus, I'm just using them as an example. I'm not trying to, to, to beat up on them, folks. I'm just using them as an example because it's an easy one for me. Um, go play the SUNYAC. Go play NYU. Um... Uh, go play a few more in-jack teams than just Richard Stockton. Because if you can double dip into that conference, that's a good thing. Go play some teams in Pennsylvania like the Landmark. Um, go play the Commonwealth. Maybe play the top of the freedom, but that's not as good. But, you know, Commonwealth isn't bad. Play, play some teams in the CAC. They're a little bit further away. I get that. But maybe travel is going to be needed. Maybe you need to entice them to come to your gym. Doesn't help, and I know it's a zero point a point seven five in that scenario, but those are how you can figure those things out in the SOS. I I've heard the argument from Albertus Magnus that no one will play them. I get that, but someone's going to play it. Someone's going to play it. So the so the NESCAC is not the be all and end all of of scheduling here, folks. There's other ways to do it. So go find those other ways, and that's true for anybody. I had that conversation with a school in Iowa a couple years ago, how to improve their SOS. Some schools get it. I mean, the CCIW teams, look who they go play. They play YX schools. No, they go play tough comp. They go play the, the NCAC. If you look at the teams that are succeeding, look at their schedules. Yes, I understand the NESCAC is going to be an aberration of that. People argued that they figured out a system. Maybe they have. And as much as they don't play a true round-robin set, go look at who they do play. Yeah, they maybe play some easier teams, but they don't play 
They do go playing tough teams. Amherst played Eastern Connecticut. They've played other teams. It's capable of being done. The NESCAC just has to fill themselves with more games. So as a result, you're probably going to see some weaker opponents in there. I'm not giving them a pass on that. Maybe they figured out how to cook the system. But the NESCAC this year may only get two teams in the tournament right now, and Trinity and Bates are leading the way. Williams might not even be in the conference tournament, folks. The only way you can get into the NCAA tournament if you're in the NESCAC this year is win the conference. There is a very good chance a second team could be. Now, granted, their SOSs are big right now, but wait a couple years. Another top 25 question. Are the same voters for the guys the same for the women? No. I only vote on the men's top 25. Gordon Mann, who's told, who has been public about it, votes on the women's top 25. Pat Coleman votes for both. He's the only voter who votes on both men's and women's top 25s. And he is the odd vote. And I say that because if technically the way the top 25 is broken down is there is three voters from each of the eight regions. So I technically represent the Mid-Atlantic region in the men's top 25 vote. Gordon Mann represents the Mid-Atlantic or Atlantic. I'm not sure, but one of the two. I'm not sure which one Pat has them in. There are two other voters in the Mid-Atlantic region. James Wagner, and I only say his name because he's he's made his name public. And I know who another one is, but I'm not sure if he's considered Mid-Atlantic or Atlantic. I only know about half the voters in the men's top 25, to be honest with you. But Pat's the only one because he does not represent a region. He's the 25th voter, as it were. So if you take 8 times 3, it's 24. He's the 25th voter. So on the men's and women's polls, he's the 25th voter. So no, actually, he's the only crossover. There is no nobody else who votes in both polls. Um, and I will tell you now, I can't imagine. I would love to vote in both polls, to be honest with you. I think it would be fun. Um, I certainly look at the women's in a way that I look at as a top 25. But I can't imagine voting in both. That's a lot of time. I take a lot of time on the men's. I can't imagine. Now, the women's may be a little bit easier, certainly, but I can't imagine the women's. Speaking of women's, we got a question earlier about Stevenson, uh, what I thought of their win over Messiah, the women's side of things coming from behind. They've won 16th straight. I almost wonder if maybe they, they are getting a little bit of a snub in the top 25. But I'll tell you this much. It is tough sometimes to get into a top 25 on the women's side especially, but even the men, if you have never had a proven track record. And it sounds like, oh, my God, you should be comparing to this year. How do I know this year isn't a fluke? How do I know your win over X or Y and Z weren't flukes? I will admit, at this point in the season, if you're still winning, and this is why I take winning streaks very seriously this time of year, I start giving you quite a bit of a nod. You'll look at my top 25. You'll see where I've done that. But that also means I could fall flat on my face because you fell flat on yours. Marietta is 21-0, ladies and gentlemen. We knew they were going to be a good team. But as a top 25 voter, I just have this eerie feeling, when's, when's this going to end? They're bound to lose eventually, right? Just like FDU Florham, they were bound to lose on the women's side eventually, right? I did not think FDU Florham would get through this season unscathed. I did not. I thought they'd take it before getting into conference play and they would skate through conference play, though if you watch Eastern and you kept an eye on Eastern, they are a very good women's basketball team. Certainly worth keeping an eye on. They got the win in overtime against FDU Florham.
So this is that time of year with those win streaks, like the Stevenson women's basketball team at 16 games. I think you start taking a little more seriously. Their last loss was to Salisbury, who's top 25 ranked, and is by a couple of points. I had this conversation with the person who's asked me about those votes, about a couple of points versus a blowout. A couple of points tells me a lot more than a blowout tells me. Believe it or not. I'd rather see a team who I think is dominating dominate and win by big margins than barely get past, which is why the UAA is confusing this year and really good. I'll tell you now, I may blog this later. My top five conferences have, have not changed in a long time in no particular order. UAA, ODAC, NESCAC, NUMAC, and CCIW. Those are the top five conferences in men's basketball uh, in the in Division Three, And it have been for a while. This year, I would argue the UAA is number one. CCIW is number two. ODAC is number three, maybe. Um, hmm. UAW, CCIW, NESCAC, ODAC. Who's my fifth? Oh, WIAC. Um, WIAC, then NES, mm, NESCAC, then WIAC. Nothing against the WIAC. I think the top of the WIAC is really darn good. I think the bottom isn't. Top of the NESC, uh, the middle of the NESCAC is really good this year. Top is not as good as years past. Nothing against Trinity or Bates, un, unproven so far. But um, I give it to the NESCAC because I think the middle and bottom are a little more competitive in the NESCAC than it has been in years past. Maybe you'll flip that with the ODAC, but that would be my order: UAA, CCIW, ODAC, NESCAC, WIAC this year. And it's nothing against those five. WIAC. I mean, they're still top five conference. <laughs> Plain and simple. Still a top five conference. All right, folks, I think that's going to wrap us up. Just double checking to see if we got anything else quickly before we let you go. Going to be on the air 7 o'clock on Saturday once, or Thursday once again. We'll be getting uh, answering your questions and getting more into those regional rankings, which obviously come out on Wednesday. If you have any questions for us in the meantime, or you have guest ideas, or you want to send us paraphernalia, that we can put in our background or I'll wear on, on the air. Email us, hoopsill at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsill or hashtag hoopsill. Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsill. Don't forget the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Really appreciate it. Anybody could support us. We will tweet out a little bit after we close out the show here. Information on that. We can also Facebook you that information. Please uh, pass it along. Even if you can't donate, which we totally understand, please pass it along to others. See if others may be interested in doing so. I want to thank all of our guests who appeared on the show. Caltech's Dr. Oliver Esslinger, their head coach there, Coach Doc. Nichols men's basketball coach Tom Glenn. Number 16th ranked Wheaton women's basketball coach Ken Madsen. Misericordia men's basketball coach Trevor Woodruff. And Barry women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunn. Also want to thank their sports information directors at all five of those schools as well for assisting putting us or helping us put them on the air. We'll be back on Thursday with more Hoopsville, as we said. Uh, including our School of the Week. i got a couple nominees for School of the Week. I haven't figured out which one I want to pick yet. If you have a nominee, send them to us as well. It's the City of Salem School of the Week. That's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I certainly appreciate your patronage. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you back here coming up on Thursday night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>